Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 262. I am Peter and unfortunately Matt is on a weekend vacation this week. So we're at, at the <laughs> we're at the rehabilitation center of one corner who's yeah. soldiering on despite his illness. I have to return to work tomorrow. I'm Do you even feel really not like hundred percent yet? I'd I'd say I feel about forty percent. I um, I I did some washing up of the of some like dishes earlier. Nothing like too strenuous, just you know, like you know, a full lot to leave on the drying rack. Uh, took me I don't know ten or fifteen minutes to to do that. Uh, I was so exhausted afterwards I had to go and lay down for two hours. So I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. That's how I always feel when I do the dishes, but okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that was too much work for today. I'm going to go and rest. I have a, a, a as we start now. I have thirty four minutes of legal isolation left until I am allowed freedom. Given how you still feel, that feels a bit off. Apparently, I'm not contagious anymore. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's well. the idea. It's 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 not that I don't necessarily feel bad because I could still feel like shit. And they were like, oh yeah, you might still have these symptoms for potentially weeks. But you're not going to be contagious, we don't think, so you're good. Well, you're here. It's, you know, it's, it's time for the time for the show. It's a big show, it's a big episode. There was a lot of books this week. Uh, I'll put it this way. So I actually didn't end up not reading the book that I was supposed to, right? I didn't read Future State Gotham. Turns out Cara didn't either, so there'll be no Future State Gotham talk this week. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I'm not actually dropping it for good. I, I'm hoping that I will remember it exists and go back and read the, next, the issue before the next one comes out. But um, what's so funny is that out of the nine books I had to read, including a Patreon book, um, only two of them, one of them being Future State Gotham, might I add, were only 20 pages. Uh, you know, the, the standard length of a comic book. Everything else was an annual, naturally 30 or plus pages, or had backups that I was reading, and then there's Batman Urban Legends, which is, you know, 60, 70 what pages. The, what was the other one? Other what? Other, uh, Batman you... Detective was the other standard length. Oh, is that regular length? Okay. Yeah, that's just normal size. So, but yeah, this is a DC Comics podcast, if that wasn't clear. We talk about DC Comics every week. We get together, and we talk about what we read, but we also have solicits this week, because they decided to drop them just in time for this busy week. So thank you for that, DC. To, to be honest... We, we kind of knew they were coming with the amount of goddamn announcements all week. Yeah, that's what makes it worse. I mean, Solicitous, when there's nothing new, still take like 30 to 40 minutes to talk about when there's actually a lot of new things in there to like discuss and go, oh, what's this? What's this thing? What does it mean? Where are we going with this? There's a lot, not to spoil, but I, I, I counted. I, I believe, not counting the specials and one shots and mm -hmm. stuff, there are, I believe, 11 new titles. I'm going to tally those off as we go and see if yeah, that's an accurate. It could be t it could be ten. I could have miscounted. Yeah, but... we'll see if that's accurate, and we'll see. And, and I want to I want to preface that that's including some of the ones we talked about over the last couple of weeks as well. Like it's just in in total for October. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, good thing to yeah. preface that with. Yeah, not new to this show, just new for October. Right. Okay. Uh, so we got solicits, and then of course the books we're going to talk about this week, I kind of name-dropped like half of them already in my, my spiel about how many how much I had to read this week, but uh, we got Infinite Frontier, issue 2, we have Detective Comics 1039, we have Action Comics Annual 2021, Wonder Woman 775, The Flash Annual 2021, why is there two annuals on a random week too? This is weird. 
Batman the Detective, issue 4, Batman Urban Legends, issue 5, Rorschach, issue 10, and then a couple of Patreon books. Connor's catching up for, for last month, you know, he, he did have COVID, so, uh, well, technically still does, depending on your, I mean, <laughs> it depends. I believe I will, I can test positive for it still for like three months, so oh, really? take that as you may. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'm doing Joker, uh, issue 4. Uh, which is just a month behind, and next week I'll be doing Joker issue 5, because uh, David is making me read an extra Joker which issue. I'm pretty sure was actually new this week. It was. Ideally, I'd have done this last week, but I still had two books from last month to do, so there was no way I was going to get ahead of it to, to do yeah, the new one this week. Thing. So next month onwards, when I'm doing the book for, for Patreon, it'll be the, the new issue, and the week it comes out, which is cool. That's a nice... Yeah, touch. and like I say, this was a big week. I know, Um, I think Flash Annual was always scheduled for this week, but Action Comics was actually delayed to this week from it was meant five. to be a few weeks ago okay. yeah because we just had a week five which is kind of which is what's weird about it uh flash annual at the very least is the conclusion to the arc so it doesn't feel intrusive in a way that an annual sometimes can where it feels like a tacked on I, thing i think that's why it's here i think it's more just staggered between issues yeah so i can appreciate that the pacing for the story in and of itself but for the pacing of the books i'm reading i would have preferred it on the week five <laughs> yeah but hey, it is what it is. Uh, I got through all those pages. Um, and we're going to talk about these books. We're going to have a solicitor. But of course, before we get to any of that, the best segment of the show has to start things off, which is the Comixology Top 10 at the time of recording. Uh, we're recording this on Friday this week, uh, just for the, just, you know, for full disclosure, so you know when we're looking at this, because obviously these change day to day, I believe. Uh, although Carl's going to be happy with number one. It's, I am. It's not a DC book. It's not a Marvel book. Is it Die? It is Die. Die issue 18 is number oh, one nice. right now. So there you go. Have, have, have that. It's selling pretty well, um, which obviously it's only got a couple of issues left, so it's, it's not like it has an impact on its future, but good for future Gillen projects, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, you could just do a sequel and call it, uh, and do 20 issues again, but this time it's two D10s that's been rolled rather than... 1d20. It's terrible. Well, hey, it's 20 issues because it was a 20-sided dice. Honestly, it's the, 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 this is just as good as the reason why it's 20 issues in the first place. See, I, ideally, though, the, the sequel would be like Die 2.0, right? And and you just kind of ignore the, 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 the point a little bit, so yeah, it looks like 20. Unless uh, it wants to go all the way up to a 20th series. <laughs> In which case, you don't want to ruin the 20 pun before you get to 20. I admit, that, that is a concern. Uh, so, we have we have that. Uh, we have uh, number two is Excalibur, issue 22. And number three is Way of X, issue four. So a couple of X books. That, mm -hmm. You know what? I want to like the X-Men. I want to love the X. Because I, I like the characters more than a lot of Marvel characters. But goddamn, every time I look at that corner of Marvel, it always looks so convoluted and messy and... Intimidating. Uh, yeah, it, uh, the whole thing. Uh, number four, we finally get to DC, though. What's the, what was the best-selling, as of right now, DC book on comicsology? Is it a Batman-related book? It is! See, you're learning. Is it Detective Comics? It is Detective Comics, 1039. And I'm happy to, because the book's very good, and I'm glad it's selling well. Uh, then we have an old DC book. And I guess he's what the number the fifth ranking book right now is from DC. Is it another Batman book? It isn't. Is it Infinite Frontier? It is Infinite Frontier. Issue two is number five. Then Thor issue fifteen is number six, and then Star Wars Doctor 
Afra. It's just cut off, so I was waiting for the little pop-up box. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's Afra, otherwise is, I'm yes. way, way out of the loop on Star Wars books, yeah. I didn't realise. That's issue 12 at number 7, and then X-Corp, issue 3 is number 8. Number 9 is Rorschach, issue 10, so that's still doing well. Number 10 is Action Comics Annual 2021, so that's doing decently as well. Uh, there's more DC right after that, though. 11 is Batman the Detective. 12 is the Flash Annual, so I'm, I'm glad to see these things still hovering at decent places. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking further ahead, Wonder Woman's a couple of spots lower. Uh, Batman Urban Legends is uh, down at number 18. So That uh, doesn't surprise me, given it's an expensive book. Yeah, and then Justice League Last Ride's number 20. So there's a lot of DC in that top 20. There's a, you know, there's a healthy amount mm-hmm. of it. Uh, oh, and Joker Rescue 5's in there. I didn't even notice, because the, the cover... For some reason, they've got the variant, so I didn't see the, the, the logo at the top. Weird. Uh, I just noticed Punchline there. I was like, oh, it's Joker. Uh, so yeah, this is about DC in the top 20 uh, at the time of recording, so that's, that's nice. That's nice. Mm. Uh, no complaints there. But uh, I won't belabor this too much, because we do have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, so we'll move on to... Well, before before we start, I think we should mention uh, the sad news from this week. Uh, before oh, yeah. before before we go into the actual sort of comic book news itself, uh, Robson Roca, uh, an artist who we have talked about many times on this show, uh, was a big part of Green Lantern Rebirth. Uh, well, Kelly Sue's Aquaman run. Let me rephrase that. He was a big part of the Rebirth Green Lantern series, not Green Lantern Rebirth by Jeff Johns from two thousand five or four, whatever that was. Uh, it's confusing because Green Lantern, Green Lantern, and Flash have both had previous rebirths, so it gets yes. a lot of confusion with those. But uh, unfortunately, uh, it's, you know, fairly suddenly to us, I think, as the public, uh, he passed away this past week. Um, really sad. Uh, it was one of those things where just all of a sudden, uh, Connor put in the group chat, "Did you hear about Robson Rocker?" I was like, "Wait, no, what? What's going on?" And I, it was like in my head there was two possibilities: either he's just suddenly passed away. Or he just suddenly was discovered to be a really bad person, and now was cancelled. And I was not—I was not looking forward to the response, whatever it was. Uh, and it was sadly the passed away. Option. Yeah, um, from what I heard, um, he'd been ill for a couple of weeks. Um, mm. he, he pretty bad. Like he'd been in hospital. They were looking for a blood donor. He needed some transfusions. Um, it seemed like he was on the mend after that, uh, and then some complications happened uh, and uh, and it got significantly worse very quickly by the sounds of it. That's a shame. That's a shame because this... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what age he, he was, but he wasn't... He's pretty young. Yeah, he wasn't a, an old guy, but he means he was maybe no, middle-aged. No, he... If that. Relatively young, I think 30s. I think. 30s, yeah, okay. Uh, which is scary. As someone who is in his early 30s, <laughs> uh, it's hard not to be a little scared when you hear this but uh no it was a shit it was a yeah. trip to hear uh it was always a very dependable artist uh on his dc books um I just checked he was he was 41 so i was hmm. my, my information was i was thinking of 30s a couple of years ago you know when we were reading hmm. probably you know green lanterns it's not it's still very young though uh it, it is it is you're definitely you know definitely on the younger side i mean that's only, i'm only nine years away from that age i don't <laughs> Yeah, it, it's. I'd, I'd like to you know, go a bit longer than that, please. No, it, it's it's definitely not anything like old by any no. definition. As much as I might joke that Pete is old on a regular basis, you know, not in the grand scheme of things, yes. just in comparison to me. Yes, especially you know, I'm I'm actually the second youngest of everyone who appears on Mailfuzz TV or movies content. But yeah, but 
you're here and Matt's not. Yes, okay. Well, <laughs> there, there, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, it's a shame. Obviously, obviously, very sad to hear. So, uh, give some thoughts for Robson Roca uh, this week. Maybe go back and read some Green Lanterns or Aquaman or anything else he may have worked on uh, in his career. So, all right. Solicits. We have October solicits. And there's a lot of weird new little things coming out of this. Uh, there was a lot of announcements leading up to solicits, but as we like to do, we'd rather just go through the solicits. Uh, if there's anything straggling behind that wasn't in the solicits that was also announced this week, uh, we'll get to that afterwards. Uh, but quite frankly, I was saying this before we started, that the, the the text in the articles when they announce things before solicits tends to be very convoluted, and the information is often quite buried, which is really annoying when you're trying to like get access it by eye quickly when you're on a podcast talking about it. The solicitors presents it in a nice, simple format, which is consistent, and it's much easier to read. So, we're just going to go through this in order. Obviously, a couple of things were announced the previous week. We'll obviously reiterate those as we're going through these. Um, but let's get into it. So, Batman the Imposter, issue one. Was this new this week? I actually don't know. This is new this week. Okay. <laughs> We've was... not spoke about this yet. Was this last week? I can't remember. No, this was Monday, I believe. Right. So yeah, this is a story by Mattson Tomlin. This is art by Andrea Sorrentino, which obviously is the the maybe the big sell here for a lot of people. This is a black label Batman book. It is three three issues, forty eight pages. So one of these prestige, oversized three issue books. Very pretty cover, and it's going to have a, a Behermo variant as well. So uh, I imagine both covers are going to be very. Pretty. I mean, I'm looking at the Behermo variant now, and it is it's very nice. Yeah. Oh, is there? So that reminds me of that reminds me of remember uh, I've not even read this story but the uh, the Batman Fugitive Murderer mm. covers I, I, I see it. yeah I, I could, just because of the shadow on the wall behind him uh, although he's clearly facing against someone else dressed as Batman but it looks a bit but which yeah, I mean makes it's sense fine. it's called the Imposter so I assume yeah. there's going to be an Imposter Batman but the question is is he wearing hockey pads? Well, given the premise of the uh, the story, quite possibly. Mm. Uh, so, you know, um, and hockey season ended months ago, which, by the way... It you... ended, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. It's a reference to a movie. I, it's a, it's a I know, I know, but it's it's still too soon. It was a lead-in for a plug to the new show you tit called The Sacred Hockey Mask, and you're ruining it by sitting there bickering about the timeline of when actual hockey season ended, when I don't care when actual hockey season ended. Matt would care. <laughs> well, Matt's not here. <laughs> So shut it. Um, oh yeah, it's a shame England lost. And I just I'll throw that out here, just casually. <laughs> Un- unsurprising because. Do you know what? I, I mean, I, it, I even said on the show last week, like we're probably not going to win. If, but this is the thing: if you want England to lose something, right? They couldn't have gotten closer. Like they couldn't have gotten closer and lost at the last possible second than penalties. Yeah. And and. Which makes it funny. It, it, do you know what really hurt? There, there was a point where we, we were down on penalties already. Uh, Jorginho stepped up to take a penalty. He has never missed a penalty in his entire career. He scores this and Italy win. Like, that's it. Yo. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're sitting there, he's walking and you're like, right, this is it all over. And and Pickford saves it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a huge moment. You know, literally, the first penalty that has ever been saved by this, you know, against this guy. And and then you know you, I think it was about forty seven seconds later where we lost anyway. Um, 
but this is England and penalties. It was, it was never going to end any other way. That's a, such a shame. But the only, the only, I mean, obviously I hate football. I can't stand talking about it. The only thing I liked, meme-wise, on the day of the, this, the finals to whatever tournament this was, there was, you know the Steve Buscemi meme, the how do you do fellow kids? Someone photoshopped a Mario <laughs> hat and a moustache, and it was how do you do fellow Italians, and it was like, this is yeah. Scotland and Ireland today. <laughs> Which yeah, I, yeah, I saw funny. that one. I, I did like I, I, during the game a new meme was born, and I I even posted a a a, a comics from the multiverse edition of that meme uh, onto oh, Twitter. Yeah. So it was it, I, I, it was one of those moments where as you're watching the game, you know the the, the thing happens, and you see the, you see the meme born before your eyes, and you know immediately that's a meme. Uh, you know you can just see the template. And, of course, yeah. Uh, it's a great moment. Hi, but, no, but yes, but uh, just made Connor more miserable, which just made me happy. So, uh, that is that is that. So that's one new book, right? We're, uh, so just just oh, um, on this down. just on that the uh, the premise is to do with um, uh, you know, what if Batman was in the real world? It's it's one of those sorts of books. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and um, the guy who's writing it, uh, Matt Matson Tomlin, um, this is a director and screenwriter. Uh, it's kind of Project Power and Little Fish here. Interestingly, and again, this is not official from Warner because they're not saying this, mm -hmm. but on his IMDb page and a couple of other places, it has him listed as a co-writer for um, the new Batman movie coming up. Oh, interesting. So it could be interesting, yeah. Interesting. I'll just I'll read this. Uh, for the new stuff, it is the kind of worth just reading the solicit text anyway. Uh, Bruce Wayne's mission as the Batman has only been underway for a year or so, but he but he can tell that he's making a difference. Unfortunately, he's made some powerful enemies. All the traditional power brokers of Gotham resent the disruption the Batman has brought to town, and it seems that uh, one of them has a plan to neutralize him. That's a second Batman haunting Gotham's rooftops and alleys, and it's one who has no qualms, qualms, qualms about murdering criminals live and on tape. But the entire might of the Gotham City Police Department and Gotham's rich and powerful coming down on his head. Batman must find the imposter and somehow clear his name. But how can you prove your innocence from behind a mask? So it's interesting because it doesn't actually mention here about the real world aspect of it. No, that was all in just the um, those horrifically awkward articles yes. that you were talking about before. It was in that, in that where they talked about that element of it. So... So the idea is that this Batman's just in the real world and there's no other superheroes and there's an imposter of that real Batman. I believe so. Okay. <laughs> just to keep track. Because I was wondering, is it, is it like a, a Batman from the real world? Like, is the imposter in the the real the, the, the DC I, I, Batman world? Like, I, I think the impression is it's kind of uh, kick-ass-esque. Okay. In the sense of, you okay. know, I mean, let's treat this as if it's the real world. All right, all right, okay. Go, go, go. All right, then we have Batman 114 and 115, uh, two issues again, which, again, I'm I'm totally okay with because they slowed down the other books so that this could go double shipping. And because it's doing like an event-style thing, I'm still okay with that. I think that's a good pacing for a big story like I this. I would say, yeah, the most interesting things about these are the, the backups. Uh, 114, not so much. It's just the end of the Clown Hunter backup that will be happening after the, the Ghost Maker one. Sure. Uh, but 115 starts a new backup. Uh, written by uh, Clunan and Conrad, who are obviously doing Wonder Woman and a couple mm. other things right now. Uh, and it's a, it's a Batgirl's backup. I'm on board. I'm on board for Yeah, that. I thought you would be. Uh, I mean, I'll give this Clown Hunter backup a try as well. Obviously, I, I noped out of the Ghost uh, 
Matchmaker one, but yeah. you know, I, I can dip back into the other ones as they as they seem interesting or different. Because let's be honest, because because it's all Tiny that's writing the Ghost Maker one. I, 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 just, I just think he's co-writing it, isn't he? Uh, but I'm just kind of I'm just like I'm out. The, the 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 story wasn't doing much for me, and it doesn't feel like I'm going to miss much by not having read it. Um, so. But, you know, I'll, I'll definitely read a back of that. Yeah, I bet you will. No problem with that. Uh, now, a new book next. I'll note down Tally Mark number two. Uh, yeah. th- this is Arkham City, The Order of the World, issue one. And this is, in continuity, this is uh, spinning out of the AD attacks. This is all coming from that. Um, this is one of six. So this is a six-issue book. A story by Dan Waters and art by Danny. Do you know who Danny is? Yeah, Danny did uh, Lolo Woods. Oh okay, all right. That could be interesting for about about the Gotham villain story. That, that could be interesting. Yeah. So here, here's the uh, person. The Joker's attack in Arkham left a long-standing Gotham establishment in ruin. Most of the patients killed or missing, and only a handful of surviving staff. A few nurses, a gravely injured security guard, and one doctor. In the chaos of the assault, it is believed that several of the asylum's patients escaped and scurried off into the dark nooks and crannies of Gotham City. Now these Archimates walk among us, and it's up to the Asylum's one remaining doctor, uh, Jocasta Joy, if I'm pronouncing that right, to round up her former patients. Uh, meet these Archimates, a woman with no face, a piggy in search of perfection. That has to be Professor Pig, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a man who feels nothing but burns everything, Firefly. Uh, a woman who must devour life to save herself. I'm sure that's someone, but I can't think of who. Yeah, a woman with no face is probably... Uh... The Dollmaker's oh, yeah. person. Right? I, I immediately thought of uh, Lady Clayface or Mudface or whatever. Yeah, or, or it could be um, uh, Duella Dent, right? She's oh, going sure. around with the Joker yeah. mask. Uh, a man unfit for the waking world who looks instead for Wonderland. Mad Hatter, I would presume. Uh, a body with more than one soul. I don't know who that is. More than one soul. Not off the top of my head, no. Huh. A being unbound from time who lives in the present and the past. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't know who that is, but that's interesting. A boy who seeks the comfort of vermin. Oh, is, oh that's a boy. I was going to say maybe Ratcatcher or something like that. But I was as well, but... The boy. Uh, and then a twisted man who sees them all for who they are. That sounds... And, and witness the avenging angel who stalks them. Oh, eventually, I missed the last part. Uh, that last one before the angel, I, I was getting slight psycho pirate vibes from it, maybe, but no, I don't think so. I don't think I, because he's too busy on the infinite frontier stuff. I don't expect it to be him, but yeah. Uh, so this is an interesting premise. I kind of like this. Obviously, yeah, there's a lot of Gotham books, there's a lot of Bat books, but I think this one's interesting because it's a very different focus. It's a it's a doctor trying to track down escapees from Arkham. I actually think that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, me too. And um, I've enjoyed everything I've tried from Dan Waters so far. Yeah, both of these uh, covers are fantastic. But the main one I kind of want to point out here, I think is very intentionally harkening back to Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, A Serious House and A Serious Earth. It's a very similar title style. The art style. Is. I, um, I saw a tweet from the graphic designer who did the trade dress for it earlier. Mm. Um, who was saying, you know, once they knew the, the title was, you know, uh, Arkham City, uh, they were asked if they wanted to make it a homage to Arkham Asylum. I dig it. I dig it. Um, 
and the cover as well. I mean, obviously you have the the text style, the the titles written like that book was, but uh, the actual image itself, you you've got this sort of moody looking city, but you've got like regular people walking on like you know the small you know the small sort of bridge you get in like a, a park over a little stream, and you've got yeah. uh, the the villains underneath like glowing red, it's a really gorgeous nice. cover, very pretty, and the, the variant actually is really cool too. It's just obviously its own thing. It's a Matina cover. It looks great. Yeah. The variant, but the main one is very distinctive. So that's very neat. That's very, very, very neat. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I have to say, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm down for both new books so far, but this one is the one that's speaking to me just a, a touch more. Me too. The, the first one has Sorrentino art, which is yeah. very appealing. So, which alone probably guarantees me trying it. Um, but this one is the more well rounded concept. Yeah, then we got Batman Secret Files, Peacekeeper 1. Uh, not counting this as new, because obviously this, this Secret Files uh, thing's been running. We haven't actually tried the two so far, and part of that's interest, part of that's just because they've come out in busy weeks. There's definitely some that I will probably will read, just because of the characters that they're focusing on, but... This one in particular is co-written by Tynan. Yes. And it feels like it's probably pretty heavily tied into everything, given it's Peacekeeper 1, so more yeah. likely to try this one, I think. Co-written with Ed Brisson, who I associate that's, that's someone I associate with Marvel, right? I feel like Ed Brisson's done a lot of Marvel. I think he did like a, a bunch of X books yeah. around the time, maybe around after, just after Taylor was finishing. Uh, Joshua Hickson uh, on the art in this one, uh, who I don't know actually. Uh, so not me either. Uh, interesting. Uh, Catwoman thirty six. Uh, not much to say. It's just Catwoman's continuing. Pardon me. Yeah, um, another different artist, but I have complete faith right now. Yeah, and it's uh, it's still Fear State labelled at the top, so still tying into that, uh, which is neat. Uh, seems to have Harley as well as Ivy in it, so it seems like we're doing like a sort of Gotham City Sirens esque kind of tale inside Catwoman, which is which is cool, especially through the lens that the Catwoman book has and the tone that it has. Uh, I think it's kind of neat. So uh, then we got Nightwing eighty five. We got Batgirl in her her new outfit uh, with Nightwing jumping through the sky. Um, which is cool. Um, yep. So that's, that's very neat. I'm just going to check out the variant while I'm here. Uh, that's not bad. Uh, Jamal Campbell variant. Neat. Uh, we got Detective Comics 1044. Uh, Dan Mora back on the art for this one. I don't know if he was back in the previous issue, but he's on this one at least. Uh, obviously, we've got Bogdanovich on the current issues, which is not a complaint because Bogdanovich is also very good. Yeah, it's basically there's a break for Mora every so often to do an arc of um, Once and Future. Mm. And then he's back doing this. Um, which, I mean, fine by me. I'm winning on both books there. Sure. Uh, and obviously it was double shipping. I mean, it's double shipping right now, actually, to be more precise. But just in terms of solicits, it was double shipping. Uh, so I wonder, like, does it go back to double shipping once Fear State's wrapped up, or are they going to keep rotating books that maybe just need like, a quicker arc here or there? Uh, I, I, I'm, maybe, all, yeah. I'm all for the flexibility, though. I've said it before, but I, I like the... You know, some books can double shift for a couple months when they've got a big story to get through. Marvel's, uh, like, 18 issues a year. Yeah. It actually works really nicely. It, it does. It, it's not... Like, the OCD in me doesn't like the, the lack of consistency, but I do appreciate... Especially... Because Marvel, I think, paced them out, at least when they're to schedule, like, once every three weeks, so it feels consistent. Whereas mm-hmm. DC are doing this thing where it just switches to a double schedule when they're on two, yeah. and then back to one again. But... Hey, that's what it is. It's a, it's a nitpick. It's not a real complaint. 
Uh, so that's cool because that book's been great. Uh, I am Batman issue two. Obviously, looking forward to that. The John Ridley next Batman stuff. Um, obviously, I did not read next Batman issue four last week because I I just ran out of time uh, to read books. But I probably won't talk about it on the show properly. But I will probably make a point of reading it before issue one of this or issue zero. I guess is more precise because there's an issue zero of it. Is there a zero? Uh, What's yeah. Timeline next month then. Is it next month? Yeah, Fear State's already going in September, it's next month, because it's all the prelude to Fear State that uh, it's included in. Yeah, well, I'm just assuming if 2 is in October. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a couple of those one-shots that are leading into Fear State uh, to go along. That and, makes sense, yeah. And then Batman itself, obviously, is the actual, the actual thing. Uh, and then we got Batman Urban Legends, issue 8. Uh, got a Batwoman Some on the cover. Interesting here. sounding stories in the two well, Fear State tie-ins. Joe, you know, I kind of like using this for Fear State tie-ins. Is rather than doing a bunch of one-shots, you know, Fear State Batwoman, Fear State Outsiders. No, no, just ha- put it in your Batman anthology book and have yeah. them be Fear State tie-ins. I, I think that's a really neat way of doing it. Uh, so we got a Batwoman Fear State uh, story. We got an Outsiders Fear State story, and we have Azrael, uh, getting a story, and then a Professor Pig story. Um. It doesn't sound like any of them are multiple parts, so it sounds like they're all one and dones. Uh, I could buy the Fear State ones being more than one. Possibly, I mean, possibly, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't specify that they're parts one of whatever at any point. No. So, which is a bit of a shame because I, I kind of like the idea of having like mini series nestled in there, and that's part of the appeal for me. Like, you know, the the, the two stories in the middle of Urban Legends tend to be the weaker part for the book. So we'll, we'll see how it goes once uh, it's because uh, one of them is ending this week actually where uh, the the Grifter story ended. So we'll be talking about yeah. that later. Uh, so that's cool. Harley Quinn issue eight still going. Not much to add, I don't think. Um, no, or, it's or, a first day tie-in. I was looking forward to it though. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, there we got another new book. So I'll tally this one down. This is number three. This is Task Force Z, or Task Force Z, depending on how you depending want to on how it. terrible you are. Uh, so this is, this is basically, dead villains are being reanimated into zombies. It is a zombified version of, obviously, Task Force X. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg, uh, speaking of that, that Grifter story in Urban Legends, uh, Rosenberg's writing this. Eddie Barrows is on art, so uh, I think he fits a zombie story. I can see Eddie Barrows doing... I can as well, yeah. Barrows are solid. Uh, so yeah, in life they've terrorized, and this is an ongoing. By this is not a mini. Uh, the, this is this is not just an ongoing. This is the new ongoing home of the Red Hood. Oh, really? <laughs> this is this is essentially the new Red Hood book. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll read the uh, the solicit text here. In life they've terrorized people of Gotham. Now they are Gotham's last hope. Task Force X saw villains working with their way to freedom. Task Force Z will see dead villains working. For a new chance at life on a day so this is again spin out of a day so this is much like the arkham city book we'll get more a day stuff uh, this is very much in continuity i i, I love all this like a day was such a big deal all these things can spin out of it i kind of like that and not right away either like a day we've already ha- was one about a day for months at this point i love that there's still things oh by the way there's some psychological after effects of a day that's mm-hmm. doctors chasing down people and then we've got this so on a day an attack at arkham asylum left hundreds of gotham's most cunning and deranged criminals dead. Now a mysterious benefactor has activated the government's task force clause to bring the the clause. <laughs> task force clause. It's in, the, it's in the rules. To bring them back as the ultimate army of the night. 
To lead the team of the undead, the only person who knows exactly what it feels like to be brutally murdered and brought back to life can handle the job. Enter Red Hood. But when Jason Todd unravels the mystery surrounding Task Force Z's creation, uh, will he try to destroy it or embrace it? Uh, Bane, Manbat, the Arkham Knight, Sundowner, who? Mr. Bloom, <laughs> Red Hood, they're all Task Force Z, and death was just the beginning. Uh, why did Manbat die? Is that just like Dark Thing? I don't think so. Interesting. Okay. When did Bane die? Oh, Bane died in AD. Oh, okay, yeah. They found his body. That, that, well. that, that's why all the uh, Santa Prisca, like Bane cult, are chasing Joker and Joker. All no, down. I do remember that now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know who Sundowner is, but uh, Mr. Bloom coming back is interesting. Uh, I'm glad he's dead, yeah. though. Sure. <laughs> I was not a big fan of that part of Snyder's Batman, so I'm, I'm glad M- that he's Mr. Bloom and Sundowner are the... Uh... They're they're the, the the ones that you throw into the Suicide Squad to just like right okay they're the they're the dead meat. Yeah, well in this case they're already dead though, so I, I, this may not follow typical Suicide Squad rules. And kill them as many times as you want. That's that's true. They'll just keep coming back unless you can put like sever all the, the limbs and head and I mean, maybe then yeah, we don't know what, we don't know what the rules are. Maybe they can Frankenstein even if they do get caught. Maybe they can just stitch them back together again. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. We got a Batman Fortnite one shot because that's the. Been such a, a... The, the most interesting thing about this for me is that they're treating this with respect and they put Scott Snyder on it. And Christos like, Gage... This is, this is not just a throwaway thing. Yeah, even Christos Gage, though, he's co-writing with... Uh, and also Donald Mustard. I assume they're all doing their own stories rather than co-writing, admittedly. But anyway, but Christos Gage, you know, he's done a lot of fairly interesting stuff here or there. You know, he he's... Did uh, some of the interesting Spider-Man books, right? Yeah, didn't he also do like one of the Angel books when when Dark Horse? He might well have done. Yeah, that's uh, nice familiar. Yeah, I, I want to say that that was he did a lot of that. Um, and on top of that, obviously, yeah, Snyder doing a story here is obviously them giving it some you know some star power basically. Uh, so cool. Yeah, and they got a, a Capullo cover which they haven't showed us yet, but a Capullo cover. They're they're putting talent onto this book. Well, it's clearly selling very well, and that's fine. It can go sell well. I'm I'm going to ignore it forever. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to read it either. But yeah, yes. Uh, next, I, up... I was I wasn't counting this towards Metalli either because it's a one shot. Yes, yes, yes. I wasn't going to count this towards Metalli either. Uh, Batman: The Long Halloween Special, which we knew about. Uh, I noticed when David cut up last week's episode and put it up on the channel as individual uh, videos. I noticed he referred to this in the news in the headline as the longer Halloween, which I thought was vaguely amusing. So I'll give David oh, some, cool. some. That's quite good. Minor cred. Minor. Why didn't you come up with anything like that? Because I uh, I referenced something else. I referenced the uh, I think the swamp thing in my title, of the the full episode. I'm gonna verify what what you actually called it. I, I went for like a meaningful name based okay, on. Okay, the power of an idea. Yeah. All right, no, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, I I wasn't going for a, a pun with that. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it makes a for, change. Yeah, sometimes I go for a pun, but sometimes I want to like reference like an important beat that was prominent that week. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I was talking about this last week. Uh, this is the the Loeb Tim sale coming back for a forty eight page special, uh, which obviously is exciting. Uh, even though Loeb's output is not being exactly great for a long time, it hopefully it's a nice, fun, fun throwback to that. Uh, it's a one shot with Tim Sale art. I'm I'm yes. gonna read it for that. Yes, uh, and then we have uh, I think this is completely new this week, uh, is, which yep. is a Catwoman Lonely City issue one. It is a mini series. 
It's uh, a four issue prestige plus, which means it's the different size trim. Yeah. I was going to say, because it's not on the cover, but I assume it's black label. It just feels... It, looks, it is, yeah. Given the, the four issues, given the size of the issues of 48 pages, it just looks like a flat label. I think that's because it's shown the variant first. Maybe. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, the second cover does have the uh, the DC label on it. They've just not yeah. put, put the dress on it yet. Uh, yeah. But, uh... Oh, I actually, I actually think I like the variant more, to be honest. <laughs> mm. uh, but this is like Catwoman jumping through the night city, but there's a... That's like, really nice, isn't there's it? There's a silhouette behind her, but in the silhouette, it's all these past versions of Catwoman. Uh, it's, just any, it's any cover. Uh, so this is Cliff Chang, uh, who's both doing the, the writing and the art, which is uh, very interesting. This is the solicit text here. Uh, wait, is this Jock cover seriously? No, it isn't. Okay. Well, I'm not going to look at There's a Jock variant that's 1 in 25. I'll, I'll be looking for yeah, that. Yeah, neither of those are Jock covers. Yeah. Uh, ten years ago, the massacre known as Fool's Night claimed the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon. Obviously, this is Black Label, it's out of continuity, <laughs> just uh, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And sent Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, to prison. A decade later, Gotham has grown up, it's put away costume heroism and villainy and childish things. The new Gotham is cleaner, safer, and a lot less free, under the watchful eye of Mayor Harvey Dent and the Bat-Cops. <laughs> the Bat-Cops. Uh, it's into this new city that Selena Kyle returns a changed woman, with her mind on the last big score. The secret's hidden inside the Batcave. She does. She doesn't need the money. She just needs to know who is Orpheus. I thought I was going to say who is Batman, but who is okay? Who is Orpheus? It's more interesting, I think. Yeah, uh, we don't know the answer. Yeah, we don't know the answer. Uh, did, did she know who Batman was in this, this continuity? We'll find out, I guess. But I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is not Orpheus, the son of Dream. From Sandman. I doubt it. And also from but, Greek mythology. That would be weird. I but... mean, it's possible, but I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. Uh, I'll put an old tally mark because the next one is uh, also one very exciting because Cliff Chang, uh, I, I don't actually know much about his writing, but his art is utterly gorgeous. Oh, I already tallied that one. I was tallying for this next one, which is DC versus Vampires, which is a 12 issue book. I guess I guess the, uh, the deceased did well that they thought maybe we can do another. Oh. oh. I can tell you why this exists in a minute when we talk, okay. after we talk about what the series is. Well, so, but they wanted another, well, you'll know why, but I, I you know, I, my instinct was, oh, they did zombies, now we'll do vampires. So, DCV's Vampires, issue one. Uh, James Tyron the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg co-writing this, which, honestly, <laughs> is a pretty good team to get me into yeah, it. Uh, this is, uh, Tynan did a, a 12-issue breakdown, and then Rosenberg's worked all the scripts out from that. I have no problems with that, that, uh, and uh, Otto Hearing. Schmidt on art as well. Yeah, Otto Schmidt. Uh, happy to see him back in a DC book. And that cover is uh, very pretty. It's Batman with vampire. He's blood That's Matina cover, right? That's Matina, yeah. Uh, there's also a Wonder Woman Harley cover, which I don't like as much, I have to admit. But uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's not mm. Schmidt, though, is it? That has to be a variant. The regular Schmidt one's there, if you keep going. It's got Green Arrow on it as well. There's a Green Lantern cover, which is all right, the variant. Uh, there's the Schmidt, Schmidt one. Of course, of course, Green Arrow's on the Schmidt cover. Yeah, <laughs> of, of course. course. Of course, they put Grano on the Schmidt cover. Uh, but that's cool. I do like the yeah, the, the, the logo. It's the DC's like, and the vampire teeth. It's, it's very pulpy. I like the pulpiness of it. I, that's I, good. I, I can get on board with that. So, the Justice League has long protected Earth from all manner of foreign and alien invaders over the years, always keeping a vigilant eye on the skies for the next threat. But both the next threat was already walking the Earth, hiding in plain sight, watching, waiting for their moment to strike. And the tradition of deceased. Yep, just admit it. Comes a terrifying new series from the twisted minds of Jube Stein and the Fourth, 
Uh, when they put Nice House in the Lake as his first like credit here to reference. Mm. Uh, and Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, that's a couple of things for him. And Otto Schmidt. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is this is this is neat. The, the, honestly, like I would be mildly interested on the premise. Like, okay, sounds fun and pulpy. But you put Tynan, Rosenberg, and Schmidt on on that list of names, and I'm I'm on board. Yeah. Um. So the fun backstory to this book was told in Tynan's newsletter. Hmm. Um, Tynan got very candid about 5G. Um, this exists because uh, when he was coming towards the end of his Batman run and 5G was meant to be going ahead, he did not want to be a part of 5G. And, and this is just to clarify here, because uh, just to, for people listening, uh, his Batman run was going to end bef- uh, originally. Be one, issue 100, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that he continued was actually one of the first things it was like oh no he's because we talked about this the fact that he he kept going because he was happy that 5g was done and they weren't weren't doing it and so on right yeah yeah so basically he spoke really candidly about what 5g was um and basically said that that dc wanted to create the stories for everything in-house they wanted their own little committee that came up with the stories for all the books and gave them to the writers and then the writers would go away and write the scripts for the stories that they had been asked for Mm. And apparently there was like no flexibility. This is why you know we we heard Williamson not long ago was saying he didn't want to be part of it, uh, and Tynan was basically saying he didn't want to be part of it at all either. But but he was still under contract with an exclusive contract for DC, and he owed them two ongoing books at a time. And he had Nice House on the Lake lined up, but without Batman, he was like, well, I owe him another book. I I have to do something. And he was like, well, Deceased is selling quite well. I, would you be happy enough for me to do another Deceased-style book uh, as, as my second book? And they went, yeah, sure, don't see why not. So he wrote a full 12-issue breakdown, and then 5G collapsed, and he stayed on Batman and had no time to write it. <laughs> Which mean- is basically why they went, can we get someone else in to write it? And, you know, you know who would you like? And... He was like, well, if we can get someone like Matt Rosenberg, uh, you know, I think he's he'd have a great voice because but I don't think we could get him, but you know, we'll try him anyway. Uh, and, then... and fast forward a few months, and he's like on like three DC books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it wouldn't surprise me if maybe we're seeing this late, but we've known that this DC Vampires book in some form was coming for a while. That we learned this at um, that uh, retailer event a while back. If yeah. You remember? Yeah, yeah, it was on that list of 10. And so was a, it, was a really, it was a really weird list of 10 as well. It wasn't like big notable ongoings. It was like weird projects. It, yeah, so I wonder if maybe when they reached out for him for this book, that, that was the first step, and then it's gone to other books after that. But we've seen the, the results of those first. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but this uh, exists to fill a contractual obligation. Just on, on the, the point, though, about the, the whole committee of, of the in-house DC doing the stories and then just giving them to writers to script... Uh, that is horrendous. That is yeah. that is the factory produced content, and uh, you know I was just complaining on Twitter uh, just yesterday about uh, Marvel like prevising their visual effects action sequences oh, yeah, yeah. before directors are even hired, and how therefore the directors not having an influence on those scenes, at least not as much as they should be. It's weird where they start those previses like years before the films even started shooting. And it has this sort of prefab kind of feel to it, and it's why it's partly why I think a lot of those movies are starting to feel really, really, really bland. Uh, because those directors' voices are just barely 
making it in mm-hmm. and it's usually just in you know it's, yeah scenes with those two characters talking to each other that's why the character connections might usually end up being the best part of those things they're not, not always but that's why sometimes it is because those are the parts that the directors have more control over but anyway uh cool that sounds fun uh interesting how it came to be but uh very very neat uh i, I you know it, and it's funny that Tynan and Williamson, if these are the two people who were speaking out against wanting to be a part of this crazy new system that Diddy or whoever was trying to put in place, I think it's fascinating that those two are now like two of the, the writers spearheading the entire universe of DC Comics right it's, now. It's very notable that Tynan obviously is doing the Bat books, but he's doing a lot of other stuff and is guaranteed bank of sales. When you, know, you look like Nice House on the Lake uh, and everything else he's doing independently just a sales juggernaut right now and then you know, Williamson is driving the current event yeah and, and it's worth mentioning you know because he's the one on Batman he's the one you know basically dictating what the direction of Gotham as a whole is so even though I'm sure all the other people working on Bat books they all I mean the books are all doing quite well so they all feel like the team seem quite happy with what they're but typically traditionally whoever the writer on Batman the titled Batman book is they're the one who kind of comes first in terms of saying this is what's going on in Gotham and then everyone else works in that status quo. And that's just, the way, I mean, someone has to be making those calls. That's just the way it has to work. It's, that's not like a, a like a ego thing or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and it's but, always going to be either Batman or Detective. You work around those yeah, books as well. Uh, and I actually like Detective's the even better book, which is a testament because Batman's actually freaking great right now. It's just that Tamaki's doing such a great job of working within that. I think I, think I prefer Batman, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm happy with both. They're both in really great places. But the point is, is he he is spearheading the most successful and popular corner of DC. Williamson's spearheading the the overall crisis event style thing that's taking the entire direction of the the thing. So it, it's just it's interesting that those two who spoke up and were vocal and didn't want to be part of that ended up getting these prominent jobs because someone came to their senses at DC <laughs> and said, "Let's not do this," and yeah. move on. So. Thank God, right? Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine what a weird... Like, we were excited for the idea of 5G because we wanted something fresh. That was before we... Yeah, we didn't know all this, though. We didn't know about all these details. No, no, we didn't know any about these things. We kind of knew vague ideas of, oh, well, let's kind of, you know, play with the timeline, have, like, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman be physically older. And we were into that. But if we'd lost all these creators and it had been that committee overseeing everything, we'd be miserable right now. Oh, absolutely. We, 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 th- this this podcast would have become a like a painful chore. Uh, so also someone just uh, commented. I, I I hope Connor recovers <laughs> from getting there. Thank you, illness. whoever you were. It was someone asked why there wasn't a new Star Trek review or when is the next Star Trek review coming? And I just said, oh, Connor's got COVID. <laughs> Bear with us. <laughs> yeah, it, it slowed things down a bit. <laughs> um. So. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, back to solicits then. Yes. Uh, Human Target. We talked about this already, but this is a new book, so I'll tally it. Uh, yep. For October, uh, this is the Tom King book, one of twelve. Hey, you know what? If you put Tom King's name in a book and say it's twelve issues, I'm basically it. <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to love it because you know I haven't looked, liked all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to try, especially if you stick like Smallwood art, and you, you tell me that. I can't believe it's not the Justice League are in it. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm there. I, I mean, I, I have though. This is the funny thing. All of his twelve books, all, all of his, all of his black label books. You know, Mister Miracle, Strange Adventures, Rorschach. I freaking love. More on that later. 
Uh, and so, I mean, Supergirl, yeah, the first issue wasn't like a knockout of the park, but I thought it had a lot. Of, you know, it felt like it had the equal amount I, of potential. I admit, I haven't actually gotten around to trying that yet because I just not caught up. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. I just it wasn't like it wasn't instantly. Oh my god, this is the new best thing ever! Like some of these other books from him. Uh, that's because like. it's only an eight issue book. That's that's true. Maybe <laughs> it has to be twelve. It has to be twelve to, to have magic. magic. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to more of it. Uh, so yeah. I like this idea that DC are always going to have them on two prestige books. You know, that because Mr. Mer... Or not Mr. Mer, sorry. Strange Adventures and Rorschach are both ending around the same time. We just started Supergirl, so we'll have Supergirl and Human Target at the same time for a while. Are you, are you forgetting Batcat? Oh, and Batcat as well. <laughs> yes. Batcat. So maybe three. Maybe they'll have three at a time. I, I'm cool with that too. I, I do think he's better suited to these books than he is the big uh, ongoing absolutely, series. A- absolutely. And, you know, keep taking these characters who are relatively B-tier, or in this case, honestly, C or D-tier. I- uh, it's, it's a win for me as well, in the sense that if there's one that I don't feel like I want to read that I'm not enjoying as much, I just skip it. It's not like I'm missing a you know the main bat book or something else major. And no disrespect to Human Target, but let's face it, he's not he's not a B tier character. He's at least C tier. <laughs> if we're being generous, yes, you know more like D or E. Despite having had a TV show, and and that's not a judgment on the character. That's not a judgment of the quality of the stories he's had in the past. But just in terms of cred, just in terms of his stature. He's he's not B tier. He's like C tier at best. Yeah, uh, but that's cool. I, I'm I'm more excited. I am more than excited for Tom King to make me give a shit about this guy. <laughs> like more, I assume uh, he has more free reign with those sorts of characters. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then next up we have Aquaman Green Arrow: The Deep Target Issue One, which I guess is a new mini series. Uh, so... Yeah, seven issue mini. We spoke about this already, right? Yeah, yeah. We already spoke about this, so we can move on. But uh, cool. And then we got the really interesting, weird one here. Which is Batman the Audio Adventure Special. Which is a one-shot, so I'm not going to count it. It's not a new series. Mm-hmm. But it is an 80-page one-shot where the cast of the audio podcast, which is part of HBO Max, are contributing stories to this one-shot. So this is kind of a weird tie-in to uh, another medium, which is kind of... Yeah, we spoke about the the, uh, the audio uh, series because I was excited for it. I think it's got Jeffrey Wright as... I want to say as Batman. Interesting. Uh, Jeffrey Wright's definitely in the cast. I'm confident on that. Uh, I'm, I I love audio dramas. I, I'm a sucker for them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. This I'm less excited for, but, I mean, it's a, it's an oversized one-shot. Uh, given that they keep adding more books, I feel like an 80-page book that like this that's so separate is probably going to get missed <laughs> on the week it comes out. Yeah, I'm quite sh- likely. I'm fairly sure of it. Uh, one that's not going to get missed though, despite it being a almost hundred-page book, because <clears throat> it is a celebratory issue, and we do tend to cover those. Wonder Woman 80th anniversary, a hundred-page super spectacular. Let's note that she already had worries for a 750th issue, so they're yeah. they're having their cake and they're eating it too with Wonder Woman. The bastards. This is why you say, "Oh, it'll get covered because it's an anniversary." I mean, you I mean you can cover, but I can't guarantee. I mean, they just had one of these like not that long ago. Yeah, but I mean. We got it was Becky, within the last year, surely. We got Becky Clinton make it. It wasn't the last year. It was longer than a year ago. Maybe not. Maybe not by much, though. It was like January or something like that last year, I'm sure. That's There's... a year and a half. You said within the last year. All right, fine. But it's not that long ago. <laughs> anyway. So, story by Becky Clinton, Make W. Conrad, Jordi Belair, Mark Wade, Tom King, Steve Orlando, G. Willow Wilson. Uh, Amy Reader and more. Uh, so, 
some interesting creative names in there for the right side. We got uh, Jim Chung, uh, Polina Jian Cho, if I'm probably butchering that, apologies. Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, uh, Amy Reader, Evan Doc Shainer, Isaac Goodhart, Gabriel Piccolo, Piccolo, and more. So uh, a lot, lot of interesting names. That's, that's what they always like. Every time I think, oh, maybe I wouldn't do one of these. There's at least a handful of names in there that you're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Mark. I mean, Mark mm. Wade doing DC work is it's a special thing to behold. I mean, Luis Garcia Lopez is about doing interior work. Yeah, oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of reasons to. That's huge. And there's, you know, there's going to be a bunch of variants that are probably going to be wonderful. Although they can't do the decade ones anymore, unless they just did them again. Because they already did the decade variants, but whatever. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of nice covers already there. I, I, you know, I. Fine. Oh, I that Bartel it. wraparound. I'm still kind of pissed, though, that they just kind of ignored the fact that Supergirl had a 60th anniversary last year. Yeah, no one gives a shit about 60. Right. And, you know, um, what's, what's his face? Writer from, like, before New 52. Uh, Sterling Gates? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, he actually went to DC and said, hey, Supergirl's 60th, you know, can you do something? Because I'll, I'll contribute. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll write one shot or something. <laughs> and because he said this on Twitter, and it was basically the response from the executive or whoever it was that responded to him uh, was basically it shrugged and went, "She's got a show." That <laughs> was something like that. It was something to that effect. Uh, so it's a real shame. It's a real shame that certain characters get glossed over. When I think sixtieth is just as cool. There's nothing wrong it's with sixtieth. Sixties, no, sixties are nothing gear. Yeah, yeah, because they were celebrating Batman and Superman's sixtieths twenty years ago. You know they were. They, they, they shouldn't have been. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. And you know they're going to do all the centuries in twenty years' time, and we're on episode you know two thousand or whatever this podcast. <laughs> they're doing the hundredth anniversary issues. You yeah. know what? You're allowed to do a hundred. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to argue against it, but it's a thing. Uh, it is worth mentioning they're they're declaring October first, I think it is Wonder Woman Day because it's the actual anniversary. So, uh, I'm sure Matt's fine with her getting a day, although he's probably going to cry into his pillow that Superman didn't really get as much of a a spotlight. He didn't get the day, to the same extent. No, I mean he did when Action One Thousand came out. That was mm. a pretty big Superman day. Yeah, it was, but I don't I don't know if they called it Superman Day though in the same way. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff for Wonder Woman. There's a new series. I'll I'll tell you, Mark. Here we got a Black Label book that was announced and teased so long ago, but it's finally on the solicitation and coming. Uh, this is a Kelly Sue Deconic written, which is cool because we like her Aquaman. I've liked some of the stuff that she's I've, I've dabbled in with her writing. Uh, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons issue one. This is a three issue prestige, seventy two page per issue Black Label behemoth. <laughs> mm. Prestige plus again, so it's the different trim size. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, the wait is over. You know what? I'm surprised I remembered this existed before. To be honest, uh, so you know. I did just because I remember it. Be I remember this. I remember this cover. Yeah, like they they announced this particular cover that all that time ago. Yeah, this was because this was when there was a black label series of announcements, and then we thought black label was dead because you thought so black long. label was dead, and then like three weeks later, it was justified. <laughs> <laughs> It was a justified speculation at that time. <laughs> they brought out the one with Batman's dick, and then it like just kind of <laughs> went away. It just stopped. <laughs> and now you can't move for Black Label books. Hey, and most of them have been great, so I can't, I'm not complaining. <laughs> no, do you know what? The, the batting average is pretty solid. <laughs> it, just, it started off in a really shaky uh, 
you know, sh sh shaky dick-filled ground, shall we say. Um, so, we yeah. So that's cool, it's coming, it's cool, it's coming. Uh, look forward. But we got another new Wonder Woman-related series. Just, um, just oh. before you move on, the, the interesting thing about that book as well is um, Jimenez is only doing the art for the first issue. Okay. Uh, okay. Gene Hart and Nicholas Scott doing issues, I assume two and three respectively. It makes sense. I mean, they're, they're 72 pages, so having a, an artist for each issue, because I presume that they're doing different eras of like Amazon history or something like that, because that was the premise, right? I, I assume so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've tallied down the next one, uh, which is number nine of new books. This, this, this is uh, a miniseries, one of six. This is Nubia and the Amazons, issue one, story by Vita Yalea and Stephanie Williams, with art by Aletha Martinez. So here's the solicit text for this one. After the thrilling events of Infinite Frontier, Nubia becomes Queen of Themyscira. So it's interesting to see some fallout from Infinite Frontier kind of starting to show up mm -hmm. in these solicit texts. Uh, so I guess it's Nubia role. We got, we got Yara out there. Obviously, Dana we're expecting back. All these things. Uh, but now the new title also brings challenges. With the unexpected arrival of new Amazons, our hero is forced to reckon with her past and forge a new path forward with her sisters. Little does she know that a great evil grows beneath the island, and it's up to the former guardian of Doom's doorway to unite her tribe before the paradise is lost forever. So, yeah. mm. Neat. I'll uh, we'll definitely give that a try. Um, you know, I, I think I've enjoyed the teases of the character as much as I wasn't into the backup that uh, she was in, but that was just only, you know, sure. typical you know, quality issues rather than anything to do with the character. Uh, so interesting. We're expanding the Wonder Woman line quite a bit here. Where much like Batman and Superman, she's going to have a a, a, a family of titles. Uh, and arguably already does because Wonder Girl's already started. But uh, neat. Uh, then Wonder Woman: The Adventures of Young Diana, Special Issue One. This is a a one shot, obviously aimed at uh. uh so it's just a collection of all the backups that are in Wonder Woman right now. Oh, re oh really? Okay, so it's a reprint mm -hmm. then. All right. I mean, because at the minute you have to buy Wonder Woman, right? True, but yeah, yeah. That's, you can that's... buy this and just give it to, you know, the, the younger it's, audience. It's basically a small trade of just that stuff on its own. Essentially. Yeah. Which I'm kind of all for, given given the target audience for that is so separate anyway. Um, it, it makes sense to me to have that just as a an accessible thing to hand to the kids. I feel like they'd be better fitted, though, like putting a hardcover on it and actually releasing it. Maybe put a few extras in. So it's actually on bookstore shelves. It feels like releasing this as a one-shot comic feels like it limits it a little bit for reaching that audience, but... Yeah, that's fair. It is what it is. Uh, there's a Wonder Woman issue 1 special edition. This is uh, a free slash 25 cent. Uh, it's 25 cents to retailers, but the yeah. idea is it's it's free. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a, a reprint, right? Of uh, It is, yeah. Uh, you know, past stories. And much like that, a... I think that's just the the first issue of the Rocker Run. Yeah, and much like that, there's a couple other of these free one shots. So they're basically just three comic book based style things, but they're they're previews of some of the the graphic novels that have come out uh, or are coming out. Uh, so you have Wonder Woman: The Tempest Toss Special Edition Issue One. So it's like, it's just a preview. It's like forty pages of the graphic novel, uh, and then same with Diana, Princess of the Amazon Special Edition Issue One. Uh, same same idea. Although this one less pages, thirty two instead of forty, but same idea. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, cool. It's basically just here's a teaser of these graphic novels to maybe convince people to maybe come back and buy the full books. Uh, nothing wrong with that. So neat. Um, 
And there we got something back, which I'm glad it's coming back. I was I was worried it may not, but uh, Hellhouse Comics is making its return in it October, lives. no less, which makes sense. Once again. Yeah, so I'll tally this one down because this is a new miniseries, although it's obviously a spiritual sequel uh, to one of the previous series, and that is it's called Refrigerator Full of Heads. Obviously, a play on the basket full of heads from before. Um, and our friend Tim... Uh, co-host of Screams After Midnight did crack a joke which did pop me a little bit which is this is suitable for DC because of course the term fridging someone did come from DC uh, it still baffles me that that's become a term and just in critiquing popular fiction of any kind and like mainstream it was a uh, Kelsey Simone who coined it right I, I think so yeah but it, it came from a Kyle Rayner story of all places a mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner Green Lantern story in comics is what led to the fridging of someone which is now used when people talk about movies and TV shows it's it's just kind of fascinating, but that's where it came from. Uh, I mean, how many people who use that term now can even tell you who Kill Rainer is? I, I bet I bet it's I a would low say percentage. About 3%. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to say a little bit higher, just because the people who might use that term are likely to be maybe skew a bit in there, dear. <laughs> that's fair. So I'll maybe go... I'd, I'd maybe say about 15%, I think. I'm, I'm going to say about 15 sure. But anyway... Uh, so this is uh, written by Rio Ewers, a, 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 a crime novelist, apparently. Oh yeah, the, the end of the solicit text. N- never heard of them, and I apologize if I'm butchering the name, but uh, I think that's how you go with that. Uh, Tom Fowler is on art, six issue book, cool front cover. Uh, Hellhouse Comics is back, and heads are going to roll for making readers wait. Uh, the new wave of titles begins with a rancid return trip to the bloody Brody Island. For a year now, the mysterious axe that unleashed a pandemonium during the hurricane of 83, which is what the first book was, uh, has waited at the bottom of the bay, but nothing that powerful stays buried. Brody Island has new visitors and a new sheriff in town too, not to mention a dangerous great white shark. <laughs> Given how much that first book sort of like referenced Jaws and harking back mm-hmm. to Jaws and the, and the vibe of the town, the fact that we're actually bringing in a shark is kind of wonderful. Uh, and when a vacationing couple... Calvin uh, Beringer and Ar- Arlene Fields. I feel like Arlene's a reference to a character from something, but I'll have to think about it. Find themselves on the wrong side of Brody's unsavory elements. Their beach combing will turn up something a lot sharper than sea glass. Uh, so this is neat. Obviously, I, I was mildly disappointed that it wasn't uh, Joe Hill writing, because I, I really enjoyed that miniseries. I know not everyone was as hot on it as I was, but um, obviously it's, it's open season. Uh, Rio here might be might be great. I don't this know. is still uh, Joe Hill curating the line allegedly. Yes. So his name. Um, interestingly, it said that the new wave of titles begins with this, which implies there are more still to come. It would surprise me if they're just doing one a month, maybe to, to start. Given the amount of new titles that they've got this month, I yeah. can't blame them. Even though it would make sense to start them all in October, but I, I kind of appreciate that they didn't <laughs> for for, yeah. for for time reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is cool. Uh, I'm was that book that. number ten? That was book number ten. I I concur with that. Uh, and then we got another horror book here, another new one. DC Horror Presents. So that DC Horror Presents the Conjuring, the Lover, which was a tie-in to the the Conjuring movies, obviously. Uh, so this is separate from that. This is just DC Horror Presents Soul Plumber issue one. Which, uh, without reading the text, which I'm about to do, I don't think ties into anything, but we'll find out. <laughs> uh, so. Six issue book again. This is a story by Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski, and Ben Cassell, with art by John McCrea. So we get three names on the right. John McCrea, 
I believe, just did the issue of Swamp Thing. That sounds right, yeah. That sounds last, right. Last issue, like five, that we kind of loved. I can kind of actually I can see it in the cover, actually. They look similar, art style wise. Yeah. Uh, I can see it. Which is a good sign, actually. Uh, That's a good eyes, especially yeah. for a horror book. Yeah. Uh, from the creators, uh, from the sorry, from the creators of Last Podcast on the Left. Do you know what I? I, you know, I vaguely heard this this week that they were collabing with mm. DC, uh, and I didn't realize it was this. Uh, so exorcism just got a whole lot easier after attending a seminar hosted in a hotel conference room by a mysterious group called the Soul Plumbers. Edgar Wiggins, disgraced former semin- seminary school student, discovers that he thinks the secret to delivering souls. From the thrall of Satan, <laughs> but after stealing the blueprints and building uh, the machine himself out of whatever he can afford from the salary as a gas station attendant, Edgar misses uh, the demon and instead pulls out an interdimensional alien with dire consequences for all of mankind. So he tries to basically become like a do-it-yourself Ghostbuster. Can <laughs> I? Yeah, and then accidentally unleashes a go- uh, interdimensional alien. You know what? This sounds like fun. I like the cover. I, I like the art from that issue of Swamp Thing. So, um, and I'm all for more DC uh, horror. To be honest. And last podcast on the left is pretty well regarded. People, yeah, you know, people love that that show. I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Uh, yeah. So very neat. Uh, do they make for good comic book writers? We'll find out. But uh, uh yeah, the only other time I can think of. Comic book writers, you know, comic book creators doing comics was uh, there was a couple during the uh, War of the Realms tie-ins uh, from Marvel. Mm. Yeah, you actually, uh, did, um, you actually just the sentence you just said was the only time I remember comic book creators writing comic books. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure almost every comic book we've ever read <laughs> falls under that descriptor. <laughs> God damn it! You. Po- podcast creators. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, why would you forget yeah. the word podcast? It's not like you you interact it's not like with I'm them. on one right uh, now. Uh, so there you go. So that's uh, Soul Plumber. And hence ticks off my 11 new books. You're right. I didn't tally the 11. <laughs> I was like, I only got 10, but it was that one. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, and sadly, for my time and reading sake, I was interested in almost all of them. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of books. Uh, hopefully, they're. I didn't check the dates as we were going, but hopefully, they're nice and spread out throughout the uh, the month. They're almost certainly like all stacked on week two or four. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. You know what? We'll we'll just have to break a record that week for uh, podcast length. Uh... <laughs> Join us this week for the six-hour edition of Comics from the Mollybird. I will be asleep halfway through. <laughs> I'm just going to joke six hours until we get there, because then when it turns out to be four and a half, it won't seem so bad. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's the that's the plan. Uh, so the rest of the books here should be quicker, because uh, this is just you know going through what's expected. Action Comics 1036 uh, is coming out. More Philip Coyde Jens- uh, Johnson. Uh, Sean Lewis, presumably on the backup. Uh Nice enough cover. The cool. only interesting thing about this is, as seen by the cover, Superman's leading the authority team there, which obviously we've got the, the Grant Morrison mini. Uh, since you mentioned that, be that up. Then, since you mentioned that, I'll mention the news here related to that, which is that was meant to be double shipping the four issues, and instead, at the behest of retailers, might we add, 
retailers requested and based on their feedback dc have decided to delay issue two which was supposed to be out the same month as issue one and they're going to come out monthly instead so this is actually something where because of the type of book it is and maybe the pre-orders perhaps uh yeah there is an exception to that i mean one the reason that they could get out so quick anyway was we've known about this book it was all done in some form or other for over a year so it's definitely all done um issues three and four which are the final issues are still only two weeks apart so september 14th and september 28th i think that is because we've got like this uh, mm. action comics issue in october presumably near the start of october yeah they also mentioned they needed this out first that all of issue two will be returnable uh to retailers so they're making it very friendly to retailers to uh have people jump on mm. for this so that's neat that's neat. I wasn't expecting that to tie, you know, actually tie into the current Superman books, but here it is. That's an action. So uh, it sounds like it may actually be super relevant. <laughs> so even if I'm yeah, not feeling it. Yeah, you have to read it. If I'm not feeling it, I may have to just struggle through for the sake of knowing what the hell's going on. Then again, it's a great more so because I may still not know what's going on. Uh, Bold claim there, though, that, that solicit the biggest Superman event since the death and return of Superman begins here. Oh, that is very bold. But I mean, honestly, Johnson, he's been pelling, he's been pelling on the weight of the Superman stories. They feel big and heavy. So it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if he actually pulls it off. It, it might be true, yeah. Uh, Aquaman, The Becoming Issue 2. Of course, this is a new mini uh, where... Who did I say last week? I said I had their own you, name You said week. Khalid. I did say yeah. Khalid, that's right. Yes. Uh, so, oh, that's cool. Uh, Calder was what I meant to say. But even that's yes. still technically wrong. And e- even that, you meant Jackson. I meant Jackson. Jackson Hyde. Well, it's not my fault he's got, like, multiple names that don't, aren't consistent. Every superhero has multiple names. <laughs> well, yeah, but he has Snoo because he also has Aqualad. No, right, fine. And technically four now if he's becoming Aquaman. No, no he's <laughs> he's got a fourth name. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, so I should two of that. I should two of six. Uh, we got Batman eighty nine issue three. I am looking forward to checking out these uh, movie continuation uh, books. So, uh, do we know who that's meant to be on the cover? It's just a random cop. Because I don't recognize it looking like anyone from the movie. Yeah, I don't recognize it. Yeah. So hey, uh, oh, that variant's very pretty, actually. Oh baby, that's because it's Lee Weeks. And it Lee, Weeks? Lee Weeks can can draw some art. Oh jeez, that is a gorgeous cover. Uh, Batman and Bigby, a Wolf and Gotham issue two. This is the the crossover with uh, what do we call it? Fables. Fables. That's the name of the book. Uh, so that's still going. Cool. Batman Reptilian issue five, issue five of six. This is the the Garth Ennis flat label book. Um, so that's cool. We got Batman The Adventure Continues Season 2, Issue 5, so that's still going. We got Batman Catwoman, Issue 8 of 12, so that's about two-thirds through then, come come October. Um, I don't know if you noticed uh, last time, but Issues 7, 8, and 9 uh, will all have uh, Liam Sharp on art. I don't know if I did notice that, actually. Uh, Yeah. I guess it's just to give Clayman a chance to just do those last few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharp confirmed it on Twitter earlier. Maybe there'll be a... Maybe there'll be a, a slight creative reason as to why the art's different for those three issues. Maybe they'll like have a. Uh, I will give. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't always loved Tom King stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't always love his Batman, but it always felt really neat when it changed artists. Yeah, you, you always seem to have like an end story reason that justified having a different style. So maybe there's like a a, a genuine kind of interlude quality to these three issues that'll make it maybe not maybe it's just like we have to have a different artist and you know liam sharp's not a bad guy i mean he's not similar to clay man in any way so i'll be interested to see how they pull yeah, that which, off which makes you feel like it has to be doing something different yeah. otherwise it's going to feel really jarring yeah 
Uh, Black Manta issue two. I'll be honest, I forgot there was a Black Manta mini that started the previous solicits, but there you go. Me too. Uh, there it is. Uh, Blue and Gold issue four, uh, aka Matt's most anticipated book of the century. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave it to next week. So that's still going. Uh, Challenge of the Super Sons issue seven, reprint the digital series. Still going. Checkmate issue five. Oh, look at that. A gorgeous Alex Maleev cover. Who would have thought it? Um, is that not a mini? Sorry? Is Checkmate not a mini series? I believed it was, yeah. I was under the impression it was, but there is no mini series tag on that solicit. It could just be a simple solicit, uh, you know, mess, uh, mess up. Or it could just be that it changed to an ongoing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but hey. I mean, out of all the things Bendis is doing right now, it's easily the thing I've liked the most. There's only been one issue, admittedly, but, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, Crushing Lobo issue 5, so that's still going. DC Horror presents The Conjuring, The Lover issue 5, so that's still not quite done. Uh, oh, this is the last issue here. This is the fifth and final issue of that series. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. issue 2, so that's the Joshua. that as well. Yeah, I forgot about this. Joshua Williamson's writing this Deathstroke as well. Deathstroke in space. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Future State Gotham issue six. Uh, oh, this is an ongoing. Yeah, for, you know, I was, I wasn't, I couldn't remember if that was. Uh, yeah, I believe the idea was it was going to change yeah, to different. That's right. Stories anyway. That's right. Green Lantern issue seven. So that's uh, still going with Jeffrey Thorne. Uh, Sinestro's on that cover there. Still to be, unless it's going to be a black and white cover, which it could be, but it's. Uh, I assume it's going to be. It's a very nice cover if it is though. Yeah. Uh, Hardware season one issue three. This is your Mailstone uh, book. Uh, so that's going. Harley Quinn, the animated series, Eat Bang Kill Tour, issue two. Are you uh, excited for this? I am. High-end series, yeah. I, I I mean, that series is phenomenal, so more please. I think you were missing a last solicit, so I think, I don't know if you, you spoke. Uh, probably was. I'm sure Matt was excited for it, though. Uh, Icon and Rocket, season one, issue four. Again, more Mailstone books still going. Uh, Justice League 69, uh... That's a nice Naomi cover uh, there. Mm. Yeah, uh, it is. Taking a selfie. Very hip for the kids. Uh, Justice League Infinity issue 4. This is the GM Demetis and James Tucker book, which, you know, I, I'm probably not even going to try issue one of this. Uh, no, this is the one continuing the Justice League Unlimited show yeah. continuity. So, I mean, it may, be, it, may be, it may be really fun, but uh, there's just no room for it. Uh, much like Justice League Last Ride issue 6, even though it's Zarsky, uh, issue taking out in a busy and week. Can we talk about how good that cover is? It's a, it's a very nice cover. Uh, is that Derek Robertson, that one? Uh, I, I don't know Robertson and Choi well enough to, to it's, know. Uh, yeah. It's a very menacing dark side cover uh, where he's holding up Superman by the cape. It's very, very pretty. Very, very painted looking. You've got a lot of paint splotches. Like oil pastels. Yeah. Uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, issue six. Uh, Becky Clinton and Matthew Rosenberg. Um... That's cool. This is a digital reprint series, right? It doesn't mention it in that text, but I was under the impression, yes. The fact is, is I feel like I had, a st- I had a tried this when it started, but obviously it's already started and I didn't try it, so was it just busy that w- week and I just glossed over it? Like, Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Uh, Mr. Miracle Source of Freedom, issue 6, of 6, so that's wrapping up in October. Uh, Pennyworth, issue 3, I forgot this existed. Uh, John, there's so much to solicit that I forgot existed. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't expect I'll continue. This is issue three of seven for the record. This is a miniseries. And this is the one that's tied into the 
show, right? Yeah, which is pretty much why I'm not even probably going to try it, to be honest. Uh, easy skip for me, I think. Uh, Robin issue 7, still going. Uh, Robin's reading his, his manga. Little twerp that he is. Uh, we got Ruby Justice League issue 7. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Issue 112. Shazam issue 4, wrapping up that tie-in miniseries to the Teen Titans stuff. Uh, we got Static Season 1, Issue 5. That's still going. That's 5 of 6. And Suicide Squad, Issue 8. Uh, Robbie Thompson series still going. Suicide Squad, King Shark, Issue 2, which I also kind of forgot about. But this is Tim Seeley writing this, so I'm actually... It's uh, Scott Collins, or not? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like a, one of those things last month that was like, oh, this, this may be kind of fun. Uh, mm. So we'll see. Superman 78. Issue 3. Uh... Well, that second cover on that one's quite nice. Uh, Lois sitting on the Daily Planet globe and... Mm, another another Lee Weeks cover. Oh, yeah. I guess he's just doing both of those then, those movies. I guess he's doing variants for yeah. both those books, yeah. Uh, Superman V's Lobo issue 2. Tim's Celia and Sarah Beatty. I'd forgotten about it, but I remember it now. I'm seeing the, the team uh, with Maker and Dolpho on the art. Uh, so... You yeah. know what? DC, stop putting out interesting things. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm sure some of them won't actually be that great, and I'll just I'll ha- be happy to drop them, but on paper a lot of these things are interesting. <laughs> Too much. Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 4, of course, our Tom Taylor Superman book, which we are very which, much excited for. We should mention the slight news to that, in that the first issue has been delayed. By two weeks. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be this week. We should have been talking about it today. Which... Kind of- Kind of uh, glad we're not, given how many books we have. Yes, uh, I was going to tell Matt the, the good news that it's been delayed out of a week that he is missing. But unfortunately, it's been delayed to a week that he's also missing. Because <laughs> Matt's back next week and then off again for a weekend. So Yeah, um, they delayed issue two as well, which was supposed to be week two in August. So they've delayed that to week four in August. So it's just a week four book now, I guess. I guess, yeah. Uh, I mean, this claims it's week two, but we'll see how much this week four pushback uh, dominoes mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Uh, so Teen Titans Academy issue eight next. Uh, Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries issue seven. The Flash seven seven five. Uh, a lot to talk about on that. Uh, and interestingly, this is a a five dollar forty eight page issue. Um, which I think they have been oversized. Uh, uh yeah, then. definitely some of those issues were like I remember the first one yeah. definitely was. So, yeah, I mean, I do kind of appreciate them going with a different tactic to this, where they're not doing a backup; they're just going to make it bigger. And it's like the, the main story has more time. So instead of double shipping, you get a, a bigger issue every month. I mean, I think that's an interesting. Or they do what they did this time and throw in an annual, and it's double shipping and oversized. <laughs> One month, though. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't be too bad. Yeah. Uh, Joker issue eight. Uh, so that's still going, of course. And then. Uh... Aye. You know, I want okay, let's give Flash some credit here. It's a dollar cheaper than joker but actually has more pages i just wanted to point that out yes because what they're doing with joker is bullshit yes ah anyway uh joker presents puzzle box issue three which has had kind of a weird release digitally because i was mean to kind of try this but then it kind of had a weird release and it was hard to kind of fit in these these digital first things are always hard to manage yeah i don't think they've done the first issue in print no i don't think so um Nice House in the Lake issue 5, obviously we're looking forward to that. That's a very nice cover, actually, with all the uh, the meteors or whatever I will else. say, I am quite annoyed at what DC are doing with this book. You know, what, what's the thing that we've been asking for after the two issues? Oh, like a, like a, a credits page or a, you know, like yeah, a, like a, 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 a cheat sheet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're doing it. 
as a one to twenty five variant cover on, on the like <gasps> issue one or two third printing. You know what, it's, it's, it's bad to the point where I feel like I'm going to have to just like go and get this cover and like have it up on my screen on my computer when I'm reading, just so I can yeah. refer to it when I'm reading the book, which I shouldn't have to do. So, no. damn you, DC. Uh, the Swamp Thing issue 8, speaking of nice covers. <laughs> uh, damn Perkins. I know. Uh, it's, it's a really nice tree. That's all I'll say. It's a really nice tree. Mm. Uh, teen, sorry, Titans United, issue 2. I forgot about this. Yeah, I don't even remember what this is. What the hell is this? <laughs> Tends to cover some plot against them. Caven uh, Scott, Jose Lewis. This is the one that was the weird Titans team. Oh, right? yes, yes, yes. And Oh, because Steph's on the team, which made me think, oh, I have to try it. Yeah. Okay. And I, Kevin Scott has done a lot of Marvel Star Wars stuff. He's actually done a lot of Star Wars stuff in general. Mm. Uh, I'm reading a Star Wars novel by him right now. Um... Which is just enough to get me interested, I guess. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll try it, just because the, the member's on the team. Uh, Wonder Girl issue 5. Obviously, excited. It's been good. Uh, also 6, we're double shipping? We're double shipping in October, look at that. It, yeah, issue 5 has been resolicited from September, so I guess it's been delayed. Oh, it's delayed? Okay, so, that was, so we're not going to get one in September. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Alright, okay. And issue 6 is a different artist. Uh, Layla Del Duca, who the name does ring a bell. It was probably bound to happen uh, at some point. Uh, yeah, cover's still very pretty though. I mean, it's obviously I assume it's still. Uh... It might not be actually. It, it, the colors are very similar to the. the no, it's um, Matteo Scalera cover according yeah. to this, uh, the text. I just I felt like it was just the faces that gave it away. I felt like the rest of it could have passed. Yeah, for Jones, but the faces just kind of gave it away there. Uh, Wonder Woman 780, just, you know, the, the ongoing. Uh... Which, by the sounds of it, because uh, this is an oversized issue, This is no, there's no backup in this one. They're doing like, like what yeah. Flash has. Yeah. And yeah. is the return of Diana to the regular world. Yeah, just oversized in the sense that there's no backup. It's not, like, any bigger than, or more expensive than normal. Uh, yeah, yeah. But... but they've taken those pages and used them for the main story. Yes. Uh, and this is her coming back to the world, right? Back to regular yeah. continuity. Uh, Wonder Woman Black and Gold, issue 5, so that's still going as well. Um, so neat. Um, and that wraps up the single issues, finally. Uh, what a, what a solicitous that was. Uh, yeah, uh, just, you know, I'm happy to see they're still doing the Batman Dark Knight Detective books, collecting the old Detective Comics issues. Uh, volume 6 of that is in these solicits, which is nice to see. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's cool. A new reprinting of a long Halloween Dark Victory Deluxe. Is, is that both of them? Or is that... Or are they, they naming it that way now so that you know it's a sequel? Uh, the new edition of an all-time classic features the gripping sequel. I don't know. I think it's just the sequel. Uh, there's no page... Why is there no page count? That's weird. There are 416 pages. Oh, it's, it's just that one then. Because that's 13 yeah. issues. It's just the one. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both... Weird well, naming convention. Long Halloween's 12 issues, Dark Victory's 13 because it's got a zero issue. So, yeah, it's just the one. They're just naming it that way so you know it's a sequel, which is just clunky. <laughs> like, it is. I guess we're far enough away from Long Halloween now that but just, just, there, there are casual audiences that would have no idea. But yeah, we'll just put it as a separate thing. Batman, Dark Victory, and then have like a bubble that says 
the sequel to Batman The Long Halloween, just on the cover. Just I know, do that. I know. Like, why do you, why you got to make it weird? Uh, so that's cool. Um, yeah. Very interesting. I'm just skimming these trades to see if there's anything that else that sticks out as being notable. Superman Batman Omnibus Volume 2. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, that, that's the that's the one that started with Loeb. Obviously, Loeb was far gone from it by the time. Yeah. By the time that happened, but uh, by the time this, you know, what this omnibus contains, but that's just that run. Um, uh, so Ramby Swamp Thing. It's interesting to see how they're collecting that, which is the two issues of the Future State and then issues one to four of the main book. So that, I assume then the rest will be. Yeah, because I mean, that makes that a 12 issue book, right? Because it's 10 issues as is the, yeah. the actual run. So that, that means. Smart. Yeah, I'll be two six issue books. That does make sense. Um, so cool. All right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Wonder Woman Silver Age Omnibus Volume One. So they're starting off Silver Age Wonder Woman, which is actually really nice because it felt like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman feel like it was just Golden Age, Golden Age. So it's nice to start to do Silver Age stuff for those twenty eight characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually because it means that they eventually end up digitally as well, because it's, it's this era that tends to be missing when you look in Comicsology or DC Universe. So this hopefully means that a lot of those issues will be getting remastered and end up on uh yeah. the digital platforms so cool all right there you go october solicits and oh boy what uh solicits they were october's gonna be busy it's gonna be a busy october uh which of course it's all why, why is october always super busy when i want to be watching horror movies i, I want to like, do lots of horror stuff in october and dc always seemed to hit me with in in their defense at least some of those books were horror but as as DC, like TV tends to be busy in October as well, typically. So everything... generally speaking, around the start of the network yeah. season, isn't it? Every, everything tries to be busy when I just want to watch horror movies in October. Anyway, uh, there you go. That's the October solicits. Well, then, that is talk about books. Infinite Frontier issue two. Joshua Williamson writing. Um, and when I looked up the, online, like the cover was missing a lot of names, so I didn't read down the artists. But uh, we got Paul Pelletier. We got Jesus Marino. We got Zermanico. Those are all the pencilers. Yes. Uh, so a whole, whole bunch of names. And we have a little, obviously stuff, all these plot threads to continue. We got Chase coming to the Hall of Justice. We got more stuff with Roy and kind of further complicating whatever this ring is that may, is kind of a Black Lantern ring but has some other qualities. And then obviously we might even call it a Dark Side ring by the time, <laughs> by the time this issue ends. Uh, so... Chase is snooping around, all of justice, Superman and Batman are uh, dealing with her, and she's kind of asking questions about the multiverse, and they're like, look, we're handling it, you know, we we talked about uh, everything that needs to be talked about, and she's making it clear that, look, pe- people, this is not enough anymore, people are aware that universes have reset, and things have changed, uh, we have to actually have be more upfront about this. Uh, I did kind of like how Batman just went, you're working for Bones, aren't you? He sent you here. <laughs> yeah. I um I got really distracted by some terrible lettering in this sequence. Oh. Uh, I think it's the third page. It's after the uh after the double layout. Uh you have Batman mm-hmm. kind of in the top half of the page and his foot sticks into a bubble underneath and all the text is offset around his foot and it just looks ugly and it's horrible. I don't know why they didn't either 
start move the bubble lower down or just, just have his feet behind have his feet behind the bubble, yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean I don't know if it would actually affect the page that much if it wasn't like a you know, a pop out panel if the Batman just you know, his feet went behind the other panels and it was fine. I, I think it would be fine, personally. Yeah. Uh, it didn't bother me. It's kind of an old school comic book thing. I feel like you see that in older comics a lot. Is but something just uh, for me? I think it's like poor. I don't want to blend the letter up because I'm assuming they were told no Batman has to be on the top layer. Mm. Um, but if it was me, I'd be moving those bubbles around entirely to start them lower. Have two below her face rather than two above. Yeah, you know, just to just to avoid that because I think it looks hideously ugly yeah uh so we see all the evidence of around the multiverse of uh various members of justice incarnate uh going after parts of the ship uh obviously we the you know the flashpoint batman uh he landed from like an escape pod on it and we, we get kind of some teasing and seeding of what's going on here uh calvin president superman is talking to him Try to get to the bottom to it. He kind of brings them with him uh, to check things out, but he he tells a story of being taken from Arkham, yeah, uh, and ultimately escaping when this thing that when this ship was ready to crash. Uh, and he says he it's woke interesting up. again. The, the, uh, alongside this, we're talking with Harbinger, yeah, um, yeah. which again is another thing that ties this story back to, you know, crisis, crisis. Yeah, the crisis. Uh, obviously, we're already playing with Psycho Pirate, but it's just another thing that's like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, there was actually a moment here where I thought Flashpoint, Flashpoint Batman actually intentionally set up uh, President Superman. There's like a moment where they're looking at the ship where it's been kind of reassembled and there's a blast, and the, the way it kind of played, I thought, oh, I want like I think it's because of the the little tease panel where you, you know some you know it's clearly on Dark Side's the voice talking to people, but it says you're the last son of a dead reality, uh, and then it's Calvin turns and says, Thomas, what are you? Is as, as if he's like noticing that there's something wrong. Uh, the rest of the scene doesn't play that way though, so I don't necessarily think he did. But no, he no, I think he notices that he's kind of spaced out. Yeah, hearing that. Um, and I really don't. Uh, the reason it never crossed my mind is because. The reaction uh, that he has, you know, on that that big panel where you know has the boom across it, and he's being hit by the yeah, it, it immediately light. didn't. But it was just in that that little sequence of a couple of panels. It just it felt like that. But then you know, yeah, Miguel no, shows enough. up. Uh, so, so he's a villain again. He's a villain again. He's he's yes. This is one of the things that's been reset. Uh, so that's a bit of a cliffhanger there. We then cut to uh, what's currently left of the JSA. <laughs> Plus Vandal Savage. Um, talking about where Jade is, what's going on, she's missing. Uh, a bit of a debate breaks out and the fight even with, with Vandal. Uh, they're talking about how a lot of these other GSA members have came back, but not all, not everyone necessarily remembers who they are and they, they actually had to really hunt down where some of them were because they were hard to find. But they're not sure about Jade right now. They're not, they're not sure where Jade is. Uh, and... Obsidian's yeah, obviously, no. you know, she was in this building that blew up. Yes, last issue. And the, you know, like, where where is she on? Who's taken her? And Obsidian's like, no, we go do something. Let's go find. Let's let's go track down enemies of the JSA. Let's go. I, I believe I her. believe his 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 argument is uh, then we go kick ass. 
That is true, because it comes back, because the next time at the end is next time Al Scott and Obsidian go and kick ass. <laughs> I, I lose what it yeah. says at the end. Uh, so, it's a, it's a thing here where you almost think that maybe Alan might actually kind of side with Vandal a little bit. Uh, that the, they've got bigger things to focus on. But Vandal basically talks down to Obsidian, and Alan whacks him with a giant green hammer, you know, out of his ring energy. Uh, it says, don't ever speak to my children like that again. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go kick ass with my son. <laughs> and they, there's actually, there's a really nice transition here where they, they, they walk into, like, you know, the infinite black of Obsidian's, you know, portal, effectively. And it transitions out to, to, to the point where I actually thought for a second, is it, it's, oh, is Ryan the, you know, the, in the, the shadows? Okay. But then, of course, it's, it, it's clear, you know, obviously the next uh, page, it's clear that we're just zooming out, you know, it's like a camera trick, it's a camera transition. The joke of this yeah. was, this was obviously better, but it was kind of like one of those arrow flashback <laughs> transitions. Oh god, it was, they did that a lot, didn't they, where they yeah. zoom in on an object and then yeah. come back out. Yeah, it was, it was like one of them. So, Roy's like looking at this ring, he's like, what the hell, he can't really get it to work properly. He's remembering, you know, talking to Hal Jordan when he met him as Speedy. And Hal's sort of explaining how his ring works and, you know, willpower and how he's in control of it. And it kind of, you know, this, it's a nice little reminder to go back to this uh, earlier days stuff. Uh, this, this Silver Age era of, you know, the superheroes. And sure enough, this, he gets control of the ring and he's able to fly about a little bit. And he does some target practice with a, he makes an arrow, shoots it to, you know, constructs of Deathstroke and Vertigo and uh, whoever the third one is, I can't, I can't remember. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just him getting getting uh, accustomed to this, and he's like, "Wait, Hal's ring talks. Does my ring talk?" And he starts starts asking the ring questions. Uh, he also jokes that am I called Black Arrow now? No, that's probably too silly. Jason would make fun of me, uh, which gave me a chuckle. But that's Jason when be the only one. The the ring kind of explodes from here, though. Like it was, it's like an explosion of the ring energy, and it shows him stuff that he's not intending. And it's interestingly, you get Dark Side at the back. You've got the, this new version of Psycho Pirate at the front. You got Flashpoint Batman. You, you've got Barry and like, Chains. So it's all stuff that's going on in the book. It's all these different things. And then of course he sees his daughter, right? And he's like alive. And of course this is stuff that we're playing with. Where we're, you know we've teased this off in another, another book. So there's a lot of good continuity stuff like between the books right now. Um, and even some of the stuff in this feels like it nicely fits in with the Flash Annual from today as well. Um, really? Just just in the idea of like a uh, Roy's past and stuff because Roy is in that issue uh, so it, it just kind of feels like there's a lot of thematic stuff linking nicely uh, so basically he demands to know uh, where his daughter is he's like cause this, this is a big shock to him of course uh, and clearly this event the infinite frontier the end of uh, of death metal and everything else obviously a lot of things have came back right you know a lot of people have came back so that's all ties in nicely uh, but, you know, the, the, it says Dark Side is, and of course, at the end of the sequence, his Black Lantern symbol turns into the Omega symbol uh, on his chest. So he is a... Uh, it says, uh, come to me, my Black Lantern. Yeah, so lots of wild stuff here. Uh, Roy's a big prominent figure in the story. Uh, and I, I like that it's not... Like, because they kind of tease the mystery of like, oh, where did the ring come from? Why does he have the ring? But immediately they're like, no, this connects to Dark Side. Dark Side's behind us, so you know, they're, they're not holding back on this too much, which is nice. Yeah, uh, so no, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, really neat. Um, 
Oh, obviously, one thing to say is that we have a lot of artists. We're shifting between art, you know, you know, part it to part. It mostly gets away with it because it's so disconnected, mm-hmm. section to section. Which is probably my biggest complaint about the book is that it feels like a series of vignettes for the most part. Which I think, in a way, does make it feel like a crisis in some ways because I think crises often have that feel when they're, they're jumping around all the different characters and how the events are. Uh, I mean, I think right now it maybe feels more separate because because st- I'm assuming the story is going to pull them more together as it goes on. I was going to say, I think the difference is in most crises, you're, you're seeing how the inciting event is affecting them or they're working towards a specific goal. Mm. This feels a little bit more aimless right now. Uh, no, not that I'm saying that there's no clear objective that the writers have. I'm sure they have a, a purpose. But for our character, like, like this stuff with Roy, we're just kind of watching it unfold. Well, There's it, no agency. It's kind of 50-50, because I feel like it does tie into Dark Side, which was obviously the stuff with Barry and Psycho Pirate last issue. And then this next part with Captain Atom and mm-hmm. Chase also ties into Dark Side. So, I mean, there are threads that are starting to already kind of tie these things together. So Captain Atom, who again is back, is <laughs> uh, going to hang out Allegedly. at the barracks. Yeah, Chase starts talking to him. Uh, but does there's basically the whole thing where he refers to their past, and she's like, I, you know, I've never met Captain Atom before, and pulls a gun on him. Um, so who are you? And it turns out he's a Captain Atom from a different Earth, or at least that's the implication. And effectively, you know, he says she doesn't understand what's going on in the multiverse. Uh, I can't let you take me in. So he starts to rip open his chest, uh, and light comes out, and before he explodes. He just says, Dark Side is. So, this is obviously, this is the cliffhanger as well, because this is the, uh, this is just, it's just a mushroom yeah, cloud. Yeah. It's a mushroom cloud. Uh, so, I don't expect Chase is dead, just because we've just been starting with her, and she's been such a prominent character in the book, but <laughs> I don't know how she survived this. Ballsy, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe, I don't know, Portal to some, you know, maybe Dark Side pulled her out at the last second, because he's got plans for her, or maybe someone else pulled her out at the last second. Typical comic book answer, but I'd, yeah. I'd be impressed if they did kill her, in the sense of it would feel like a shock. It would. Because it would, it would feel like, no, we built up just enough recently with her that it's like, no, this this feels like she's going to be around. Yeah, she felt like one of the, the, the main, like, say, six characters that are really important to the story. And so if, if this is a true killing off of the character for now, then... Yeah. I like how they, they referenced uh, the Lois book as well at the start of this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that too. Again, it feels like the, it feels like the writers have been allowed to really embrace continuity, which was just like a mandate before, but they weren't allowed to. So yeah, uh, and it seems like comic book writers actually really like it. What's funny is I got to the end of this, and there's this thing that's actually at the back of all the issues, but I read it here because it felt really because I read this first. I I did as well. Yeah. I didn't realize this was the the ad of the week. Yeah, but it actually it it was a kind of a nice thing. It was it was like a summary of like okay, these are all things connected to Infinite uh, Frontier and the multiverse. And it's, you know, one, why is, what team is Oracle forming and why? Which, okay, I'm interested. That'll uh, be the Batgirls team, yeah. surely. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like that. Yeah. I'm interested. Uh, what is Fear State? Why is Clark Kent leading a new version of the Authority? Uh, will Jonathan Kent be able to fill his father's shoes as Superman? Can Wonder Woman escape the God Sphere and return to Earth? Which heroes wearing a Black Lantern ring? We kind of already know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, if this, given that this is technically an ad that has appeared in other books, it makes sense it's also promoting this book. So, fair enough. Yes. Uh, has the fastest man alive outrun his past? And how is Roy Harper alive? So it's basically all the things that are going on, and there's like a two-page 
of uh, Bones looking at all this stuff. And, and given that Bones is investigating all this, uh, it, it does feel like they're using like kind of an in-universe way of like advertising. So I thought it was neat. So Yeah, and then they just have a list of all the newish titles on the next page. Yeah, where all these questions are going to be relevant, uh, and many of them at least. So uh, It's a fun ad. It's a fun ad that at least on that first, when I first got to it at the end of this, it felt like it was worth reading at least once. So. Uh, I said that first page of it, I did not realize it was an ad. No, did I. I? I thought it was like a like a back matter kind of thing. Yeah, that was almost like a post credit tease. Yeah, like here's all the things, and it still kind of works though because it's like okay, a lot of these things are being like tying into this book, but they're actually going to be answered in their ongoings. So here, go and make sure you check out and whatever ones you want. Even the things like which hero is wearing a black lantern ring. Obviously, we know the answer to that, but Bones doesn't. So it didn't feel like it was an out of place being in this book. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't an advert, so no, yeah, I'm for it. Yeah, no. So I had a lot of fun with this issue. Uh, it maybe didn't have quite the shock value of the, the stuff that issue one did, because issue one was like, "Hey, Dark Side's behind this psycho pirate. There's a Black Lantern ring of some kind on Roy." All those things were obviously much bigger deals than anything this issue hits us with, but it did progress all those things. So, uh, yeah. It's a main main event style book in DC. I am enjoying the ride, and like I'm I'm interested in where all this is going. Uh, it may not be as well crafted as some of the more prestigious books that we're going to talk about perhaps later, but uh, I can't deny that I'm a sucker for you know a lot of what this is playing with. You like the big continuity events, is what you're saying? In DC, I, I hate them in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you hypocrite it's, it's the taste thing I, I acknowledge it I acknowledge it that's what it is uh, alright what are you rating Infinite Frontier issue issue 2 uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 I think I like all the stuff that's in it uh, it does feel a little bit disjointed and kind of meandering still for the end of issue 2 for me and uh, and that lettering issue did, did bug me up quite a bit yeah, I'm not too fussed about the letter thing. I mean, it really I, bothered me. Like, I honestly like it, but it's not something that I really, you know, it made the page feel a bit more crammed than it probably should have. But, um, yeah, I mean, I will say that because it is juggling so many artists, it's hard to really just be enjoying the art because it is just kind of like we have a lot of artists because this book has to be done quickly as possible and. None of the art's yeah. bad, but none of it's amazing. Like even like yeah. you know, I, I know Zamanico's in here. You know, I, I like Zamanico. This is not his best work. It's just artistically it doesn't have this creative soul focused vision that makes it feel special in that sense. It feels like a, an event book that's fun for continuity's sake and fun for all the things it's teasing, but it isn't a singular comic book reading experience. So mm. I think it's worth pointing that out. Uh, I, I would I would happily give this the eight though. Uh, I, I'm just I'm really enjoying the. The shenanigans of all of it. It's not done anything to upset me. <laughs> so that's always always worth mentioning. Alright, Detective Comics 1039. Uh, this is Maruka Tamaki writing with Victor Bogdanovich on the art, continuing the story. We get a lot of uh, the backstory of our villain in this issue. This is kind of our, our you know, our origin story. Very glad that our characters reference the fact that Hugh Vile is a villain name. Yes. It really is. It, no, it absolutely is. Uh, that first page is glorious, by the way, uh, with the, mm. the green glow and the black background, uh, with these like parasite mouth open. 
It's all very good. So obviously they saved the uh, the reporter from the explosion. Uh, that was kind of our, our you know our typical cliffhanger in the last issue. Yeah, and then find out she's already infected. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that comes up in a second when she, you know, goes after them. But we see like the Batgirls are helping people for, because this explosion caused a lot of damage. Nightwing saving people. Uh, you know the the gangster man whose name I always forget. Uh, he's. You know, watch, watch, there you go. Watching intently. But we come to, you know, the backstory of, of our, our Vale, our Hugh Vale character. And he had this, that this happened to him uh, as a kid. He became infected and he's sensitive to light. So that's going to be very important. That's a mechanic going forward that they can use to, to fight. But basically it gave him this hunger. The thing inside him wanted to feed, feed on fear, feed on death, feed on, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, he was always ravenous, but never wanted to eat actual food. Uh, doctors tried to to help him, but he discovered when he killed, you know, a random guy in a hospital that this was, you know, or not even kill. Sorry, he, you know, he infected. He made him go and kill someone, which is obviously what he's been doing. Uh, yeah, throughout the story. So, all really interesting. Yeah, the reporter lady uh, tries to kill Batman, <laughs> shanks him in the in the uh, stomach. A uh, big shard of glass. Worth was there with a gun, so he's like there. So there's a fight with Batman still going on with the flames behind him. Uh, there's a bunch of goons that he's hired, like ex Penguin goons and ex Bane goon. <laughs> you know, the whole whole entourage. He's been on the app. He's, he's been on the app. Yes, on the on the gun app. So so Huntress ties up uh, reporter lady, which is cool. Yeah, and talks to our Oracle. What's going on? Uh, that's what the villain named Joke is, uh, and all the, all the rest of it. So, yeah, I mean, all of this is just continuing the chaos of what's happening, but she goes after Vale. She sees Vale standing there. She goes in and confronts him. And he's very smug. He's like, you're going to take me in now. He puts his hands out. And, of course, he, he you know, lets the parasite come out. And it's a, it's a really good panel, actually. They're in silhouette, except the green parasite uh, is green. This orange, red glow yeah. behind them. Yeah, from the fire, yeah. Uh, the only thing other than the green glow is, like, his, like lens from his glasses is still like visible so yeah. it's, it's it's a really effective artistic uh beat but but yeah so huntress has this in her now and it, it kind of looks like he's passed it on as well right like she's got like the full yeah i i got the impression that's how it works a little bit yeah right uh so i pass it, it it transfers over to the thing where it spreads yeah, uh, and and another little one to them. Yeah, because she's got full on green tentacle things coming out of her mouth uh, at this point. Um, yeah, and you know, obviously Batman and Worth are just fighting. There's a cement mixer truck there, so he ends up covered in that. It's a whole fun thing. But sure enough, she starts firing arrows from a crossbow uh, at Batman, uh, and it becomes this you know fight between them. So it's a very it's a very action heavy issue. There's actually less plot to talk about despite the fact that there's obviously the backstory stuff, uh, because it's a lot of action, but the art is very good throughout all the action. Bogdanovich, we, we tend to like anyway, but I think it's safe to say action is where he excels. Yeah, and Huntress uh, has a good moment here because she she uh, is able to sort of mouth the word light to Batman, and he flashes her with light, uh, which is enough to kind of like get her out of the predicament. So things calm down, uh... You know, Hugh Vale goes underground, seemingly with one of the Bane mask-wearing guns. 
but there's like sort of the aftermath. Nakano wants to know what, what's going on. Where's Worth? What happened to my city? There's a bunch of just sort of epilogue kind of moments of like Oracle filling Batman in and stuff. Huntress is in a hospital bed. They're hoping they got to it. And so it's actually kind of the end of the arc because it says finale and it's sort of leading into where this goes, which is that Bruce says he can't hunt down Worth and hunt down Vile is both Bruce and Batman. So he's going to turn himself in. That's kind of our, our cliffhanger. So he's clearly got a plan. He's got a plan where he's going to turn himself in to infiltrate and get to the bottom of this. But it should be fun. Yeah. Um, some really nice lettering touches in this as well. Like once Huntress gets infected, she's like got the, the wavy speech yeah. bubbles. Just uh, it's, it's really subtle at first as well. It just makes it really distinct and clear that it's not her voice. You know, it's it's the voice of the the parasite, effectively, influencing yeah. her. So, no, really strong stuff. Um, it doesn't really end the story as much as it ends this act of the story because it's clearly not over. We still have the villains at play, which is not a complaint because I've been enjoying the story so much. I am more than happy for this to keep evolving and for this to keep going out. If if anything, I wasn't ready for this to be over. So, uh. If anything, the only surprise I had is that it, it technically called itself a finale, and I was like, oh, that doesn't feel like a finale, but it's not also no, over. So. It, it feels like one of those those books where it's the finale for the sake of having a neat point to put in a trade, Yes, but not really, it's just kind of one big story. Yes, yeah, so this is more of a 12-issue story as opposed to a six-issue one, or whatever it's been. Yeah. I assume this is six issues so far. I, I don't really know. I'd have to go back and check what numbers you started on. Yeah, no idea. Uh, but, yeah, no, good, good solid fun. Classic Batman panel at the end there. Is he, is he standing and so you know his face is in shadows, but the you can see the outfit. Yeah, it, I'm not sure how I feel about the eyes. It look it makes him look like he's at a weird angle, but other than that, I I do like it. I, like, I really like what he does with the cape. It's basically just another angle of the pose that he has. That famous uh, is it Hush? I'm thinking of where he's on the gar- the Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah, the Jim yeah. Lee on the Hush. Yeah, yeah. It's basically just he's doing that pose, but from a different angle. We're seeing him from the front. So yeah. No, really fun stuff. Uh, what are you giving the main story? Uh, I'm going to give it a... Uh, I'll give it an 8, just about, I think. Yeah, yeah I'll give it a solid 8. It, it's, it's funny, because it's, it's just an action issue, but they've kind of earned it, because, like, you know, it's been all this yeah, great build-up. It was well done. It, it was fun. Um, I haven't got much to really complain about, but it doesn't go above and beyond either, I don't think. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of orange in the background and most of the fight stuff, so when it, it contrasts with the blue of, like, Oracle's location or... Uh, you know the the page where it's just all the shadowy, you know, meetings like talking about the aftermath. Like you know, it really distinctly sticks out. Yeah, uh, it feels like it's over. Uh, and this book continues to really make good use of the backups. I feel um, because That's interesting. I did not read this backup. Oh, really? Because well, I got to it and I was like, it was you know more stuff about Hugh Vile. Yes, and I saw it wasn't uh, Tamaki writing it like we've had on some of them. And I felt, personally, I was quite satisfied with the amount of Huvile I had in the main issue. Like, I had just enough of, like, backstory and what I wanted from this issue for him. I didn't want to sully that. I didn't want to overdo it. Well, what's funny is that, yeah, it works. It works in what you've, you've got so far. But, like, it felt so natural once this got going that this was just like, okay, here's more of, like, what it was like for him because because you know then the main issue it says that he got this as a kid right and then he yeah. tried to live a normal life this basically gets into like what he was like after where he had a brother right and how he'd fight with his brother uh his mother who was struggling to deal with him uh, and how he kept acting out and how you know the the 
the incidents would escalate and how he eventually made his mother, and he was still a kid at this point, uh, basically made his mother kill his brother, right? <laughs> and so she ends up, you know, uh, in prison. Uh, we see these papers react to this. Yeah. Um, but it basically talks about... It, it's effectively what this does is that it kind of explains how he's been operating. He stayed away from Gotham partly because uh, Batman or whatever, but he actually loves Gotham because when he came back here uh, as a young adult, he found that there was a lot of people to feed on. There was a lot of people to make do things. But it talks about how he learned very quickly that he didn't want to draw attention. You know, if, if he made someone who was like an upstanding citizen suddenly murder someone, it would lead to questions. It would lead to Batman investigating it. So the the backup here kind of like is into the idea that he would target people who have anger issues already or something like that. Some, someone that would, oh, this feels like the, the, the natural conclusion to this person's story. Uh, and it wouldn't, you know, questions wouldn't be asked beyond a certain point. So it kind of gets into this. This is how he was able to get away with this for as perhaps as long as he has uh, in, in Gotham. Um, so, and it talks about how uh, the Joker War in AD kind of like changed things and escalated things uh, and put him in this position with the mayor. Uh, you know, that's, that's basically, basically it. Uh, so it's basically, it, it kind of, it does kind of unnecessarily frame it with him like kind of telling this to a a guy in a diner who he to get who he infects at the end. Um but I just gotcha. kinda I just kinda feel it's superfluous. I didn't really feel like it was necessary. But the actual core of it just kind of got into more detail about uh how he's operated like in getting more de- it felt like it complemented what what they mentioned in the main story well. That's I think for me I feel like I made the right choice in that I don't want to say that this is bad in any way. Uh I'm sure you're saying it's pretty solid by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I was right for myself in that I didn't want this. I didn't. I did I. I had my fill. I didn't want more right now. Maybe I'll come back and read this, you know, in, in another week where I want to go. Okay, now I've I've got room for a bit more of this villain, uh, you know, in between issues. But right now, I was like, no, I got my fill in the main issue. Yeah, I just you know I gave it a chance because I was ready to not read the Penguin one last time, and that ended up being a really solid uh, compliment to the main story as well because it, it kind of it gave you Penguin's motivations for how he acted in the main issue. So it was a nice little add-on to it. And this, again, felt like it fleshed out something that was there. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think this, this book has by far been the, the, the best use of the backup for me, um, even when it's been different writers and it's not the, the main writer tackling the, the things. You know? Because we had the reporter issue, we had the Huntress little story because she's obviously been featured in the main book. Uh, you know, all of these things have all added, and maybe they are all technically skippable, like you could understand the main story just fine without all of them, but I do think they are complementing it quite nicely. Um, but you know, always is is the goal. I think if if one of these becomes necessary to understand something, especially if it's one not by the the same creative team, then somewhere along the line they've failed in their storytelling. Yeah. Okay. I can I can see that. I I, I would say though that. I can see this backup explaining things that some people who like to think they're smart would point out as a plot hole. Well, what's he been doing all this time? Why is he only showing up now? Like, you know, th- stupid, annoying sure. questions like that, which aren't actually that important. We could have easily not had those answered. But it does do that in an effective little way that makes sense and kind of fleshes out the character a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm not arguing with that. 
Uh, it's something it's weird to raise these back up sometimes because I feel like I'd rather not rate this one separately because it just it nicely sits with the main story so much because it just continues on more of his backstory. So uh, I feel like on its own would I give it an eight? No, but I feel like packaged with the book, I'm happy to give the, the issue an eight. Like, is, uh, does that make sense? It doesn't drag it down. Yeah. So if, if this was hypothetically, if this was a six, it's not dragging down your score from the eight at all. But it's not worthy of an eight in its own right. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, but it's part of this issue. It, it can fit. So I'll leave it at that and just make of that what you will, everyone. But uh, that is Detective Comics 1039. Another solid uh, issue and what, what I think has been a, like a great run so far. Uh, so, very cool. Action Comics Annual 2021. Issue 2021. Uh, however we say this now. Uh, so, I think it's the Action Comics 2021 Annual Issue 1. Just I don't even need to say the issue one, nah. but for, for if you're if you're logging it, cataloging it, yeah. it would still be a one. Yes. Uh, so this is Philip Kennedy Johnson uh, with Sia Um, if I'm pronouncing that right, which I mean, very well might not be. Uh, this brings us back to the and uh, Scott Godlewski on art as well on some of the sure. pages. Yeah, yeah. Is that the Phantom Zone stuff? I assume so. Yeah. Uh, so this is back to the the future House of L stuff, and. But tying it into some of the war world stuff that's coming up as well, uh, this idea that the, the framing device here is that whilst on war world, there are supporters of Superman, but it's, you know, like, you, you will be killed if you speak out in support of Superman, and this child's, like, carved out a little Superman toy for herself. And this old man, well, he's not even that old, really, but, he, <laughs> this, you know, this man is telling all the kids this story, oh, we want a Superman story, so they all hush-hush and they make sure no one, they can't be heard, and he tells them a story, but I'm going to tell you a story about the past, I'm going to tell you a story about the future. So there's, they even speculate at the end that the kid's like, hey, have you been to the future, mister? Because you seem to know things. So obviously there's something brewing here with who this is. and you know. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one in that you could wave it away as like, no, it's just a story. You know? Yeah. But... And, and, sure the, in a weird way as well, like because this stuff in the House of L is so far in the future, you could just sort of read it always as a possible future and not a guaranteed thing because the comics eventually are going to go on another direction and just rule it out by, by eventually nature of, yeah yeah by nature of writing but uh so it's a story and forgive me this is one where i could use a cheat sheet uh for yep. all these characters but uh it's clear it's, it's easy to remember which one's which functionally when you're reading them and that it's very clear that the night one looking one and by night way i just mean he's here uh he's the superman of earth currently uh, in the that's context Brandon, of, I that's Brandon, yes. Uh, we have his younger daughter, who's he's training. Uh, she's got this sort of more ginger hair. You've got the blue lantern. The, uh, the the Tamaranian, half Tamaranian, right? You mean she? She. Did I say, not say she? I thought I said he. Yeah, was, which is weird for I daughter. I thought I said she, but... I sure I said it. Doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, you've got the blue lantern. Uh... Uh, you know, L member who's the sister of is she the sister of Brandon or the sister of the one who's current Superman no. of War World? Current Superman. Right. So, well, uh, is it is it of War World? You might be right. Um, yeah. So it's because Brandon's current Superman of Earth, which you know. Yes. Yes. And then you've got Rowan and Ronan. Yeah. So yes, Rowan yes. is her, the, the Blue, Blue Lantern, Lantern, and Ronan is him, Superman of War World. I'll take your word for it. I think that's just what they said. Something like that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, now you've got a uh, Bry or whatever they're called, the Bruniac, uh, one. 
Yeah, and then, then you've got Alora, who is the one getting married. The one getting married, yes. Uh, and then you've got Kara, of course, who we do know, <laughs> Superwoman, who is officiating this wedding. Uh, and she and Alora is marrying someone from Warworld, who is taking the crest, and as we learn later, is going to take the name. He's going to take the L name. Uh, yeah. And so, because of traditions uh, on his side, I think they said. He has to challenge a member in combat from the Hell family as part of the wedding. Friendly combat, it's not to the death or anything. <laughs> um, they're kind of joking about who gets to do it. Uh, and that's when the the dodgy child, uh, Perus, yes, uh, and the old red, he's got, it's, it's kind of like a red samurai thing he's got. Uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the dressing around the, coming from his belt. I can see that, the headband. Yeah. Um, so he, he's kind of the villainous uh, son of Superman who's who's around. Uh, and Carol's like, oh, not this shit head again. Um, so basically the story here, so I, we'll, we'll run down the characters because it's, it's important to have at least some kind of a grasp on all these characters. Uh, and they're all likable. I wasn't as hot on that previous future state issue that introduced these characters. That, because, that me and Matt loved. Because it went to the King Arthur stuff. And the more you talked about that, the less interested I got because I was like, well, I, I didn't get as much out of this and I just, like, all you're doing is making it more confusing for me because I don't know that story that well. Uh, this on its own, I enjoyed more. Uh, basically, he ends up trapping most of the family in the Phantom Zone. Everyone but Kara, basically. Gets sent to the Phantom Zone. Uh, he adds some new lore to the Phantom Zone. At least it's new to me, uh, as, as, as far as I can tell. Um, and... It's you know it's it's because because the problem with that that original story for me was never the characters the characters all seemed likable enough it was just once it got to like I, I, Peros and like the stuff around him and like was where it got a little bit more convoluted but the rest of them and their banter and the way they interacted with each other made me kind of like this future Superman family which is impressive because normally when I get like a high concept thing like that it's usually really hard to make me give a shit about all these like nobodies that you've introduced. It's interesting because this is earlier in the timeline than what we got in that future state issue yes they're all younger here um because like khan was definitely carnell in that issue for for a start yes um so you know those things that obviously takes place later i would not be opposed to getting like a, a mini series these or it maybe you know the the backup in action at some point could be these I guys I can see either of those things. I can also see Superman somehow traveling to the future in storyline, and it just being an arc of the main book in action. Yeah, because there's yeah, so much. Okay. There's so much stuff you know setting these guys up that there's something coming from them, and I like them all. I, I like them all a lot more after this issue. I'm happy to say. That was it. Like one appearance in Future State, and you go, oh, okay. It could be just they need an issue, right? Is it because I, I did roll my eyes a little bit when I saw it with the, the annual was going to be them? I was like, uh, I wasn't as into that, but it's actually quite good. So. <laughs> it is it's real good so basically uh it turns out the phantom zone which obviously jor-el discovered but didn't create which is a really key point to bring up here is actually the mind of like a like a like a higher being <laughs> effectively a, a, a godlike being called yeah. atha and basically the phantom zone as it was was when atha was asleep and when it woke up all of the kryptonians who were here all turned into these weird uh more monstrous beings and it's like oh shit so they have to fight their way through that and who do they run into who's like you know because we always have these stories in the phantom zone and we get it in other stories with like post-apocalypses where there'll be the one character who's kind of not usually on their side but turns out to be the one character who's there who can help them 
Cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw, shows up in his, like, you know, like, his poncho or whatever he's wearing. <laughs> old, he's, old man Cyborg Superman. Yeah, old man Cyborg Superman. He's like, hey, we've got one chance, and he leads them on a journey, and we see them fighting a bunch of stuff. Uh, what's kind of neat about this, I, I like the two-page layout where the, it cuts back to the guy telling the story, because uh, the, the layout of that I thought was quite neat. Um, it flowed really well in this sort of semi-circle kind of design. Um, mm. But he's saying, oh, there's a device, because there's no Phantom Zone projectors, they were all destroyed intentionally, but there is one device that might still be usable that was here, you know, someone had it here. And I kind of, you know, I'm kind of annoyed at myself for not guessing it was going to be a mother box. And, Same. you know, we, we get, you know, a mother box being held by a Mr. Miracle. Which Mr. Miracle is, is open for debate, but he's just a skeleton with the outfit on, basically. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't neat. guess I'd have said it was Scott. It looks like his outfit. Yeah, it does. The closest to, and obviously, you know, he, mother box aren't exclusive to him, but they're intrinsically tied to him more than any others. Yeah, but the idea is that this, uh, this godlike being was waking up and is targeting, like, you know, whoever's arrived in, in its brain, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. Uh, and there's a fighting going on, but, you know, ultimately they use the mother box. They all come flying out of the portal. Sorry, why am I saying portal? Boom chip. I should just call it what it is. Boom chip. I think it's because they use the word portal. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, they fight, uh, you know, Peros and... You know, big action scene very quickly and they actually let Hank Henshaw go. Carol's ready to like bring him in and you know uh, Brendan's like hey you know he did actually, I mean true he was just using it as a means to an end you know he was going, he would happily betray us but we would probably all be in there or dead if it wasn't for him. And and, and the point raised that he was never intended presumably to be a punishment for this long Mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of He's, he's served his time almost. It's like you get another chance now. So they let him fly off. Because well, one of the mechanic things as well is that once they're in the Phantom Zone, once they deplete whatever energy they have from the, the Yellow Sun, it's gone. They, they don't get to recharge in the Phantom Zone. So they have to... If anything, a, a critique would be that they should have maybe played with that more, the more they were in there. I think it's... um. Again, we were before, you know, uh, Johnson loves like fantasy books. He has that... Uh, he had that Black Label one. Mm-hmm. There's that point where it is that that two-page layout where it's like going through the various adventures and it's just like a panel for each thing. I can see an entire miniseries of this, just this issue, basically, of just, you know, those those pages. Each each of those adventures is an issue on its own. Yeah, and then getting weaker and weaker as they go through the series. Like you, you could have played that if you'd wanted to. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have liked that as much. I, can, I think I kind of like that you just kind of... No, I, it, I get you it. Know, and glosses over it and says, hey, you know, they went on some they adventures. Had adventures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they have the wedding. They kiss. That's the end of the issue, pretty much. Uh, other than, of course, the bookend with uh, the kid again and sort of question, hey, are you from the future? Because you seem to... Because cause that's the thing. They, they, they show that in this uh, House of Krypton, House of L, whatever it is, uh, the, in the future, this, this toy that this girl made is there in a case. And it's like, this is from a time when Superman was at his lowest and someone believed in him and, you know, which, you know, ticks all these Superman boxes for us, I think, as Superman fans. As yeah. the idea, the inspiration of Superman and the belief of Superman and all that. But he's like, is my toy really going to be in the future? And it's like, yeah, like, if this guy was making up a story, which he didn't sound like he was, as she says, you know, he sounds like he's telling something he knows about. But if he was making up a story, he would throw her thing in there. Like, that would be like a, a little 
thing you'd put in for the kids. It is. So And maybe it's a little column A, little column B. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's it's real, but it's still a story for the kids as well at the same time. So it's kind of embellishing a few details here or there. It does feel like he's a... And that's the other thing, is that they mention that, you know, this kid, they're a Thalosian, right? Or whatever the, the pronunciation was, which was set up in the last action issue. This is like the, the people that are going to be saved on Warworld. So the idea that this... That's uh, what Carnell is as well. Yeah. So the idea that this is an entire race of people on Warworld that Superman's going to eventually save, uh, but there's like you know some trials and trips. So I love the idea that's what action is going to be. Well, you know, we're going to have Superman with. It's, uh, John. it's why when in the solicits they talk about this Warworld saga being the biggest story mm-hmm. for Superman since Death and Return. Maybe they're maybe they're not bullshitting us on that one because it uh, does feel. Pretty it, epic. It feels big, and it feels like this is Superman saving uh, a subset of like Krypton Kryptonians who survived in some way. You know, he's saving, he's freeing his people. Uh, yeah. And there's already a lot of like you know religious analogies with Superman and Moses and all the rest of it. So you know, there's, there's a lot of things to to go in there that that's baked into Superman as a core idea, but at, at the core of it, it's also just a really cool, big, epic sci-fi story of him saving people and all the rest of it. So, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all those things. So, yes. Hard to no, fault. This is a really great issue. Hard to fault it too much. Uh, so, yeah, we give it. No, I'm giving it a nine. I love, I love this issue. Um, it was yeah. Hmm. I'll go eight point five. I I think I, I I'm just a slight a tinge under where you are, but uh, I'm definitely growing more fond of these characters that that he's uh starting to build up yeah. uh, and. Next time, maybe I'll remember at least their relationships to each and other, if not their names. I, I believe we have some Matt thoughts on this issue. We do. Matt Matt sent thoughts for two issues uh, this week. I don't know if that's because that's all he's read or all he had time to write about, but uh, he did send <laughs> thoughts on action. The other book he sent thoughts on was Rorschach, which is coming much later. Uh, so, Action Annual, this is what he said. Uh, what I wanted from his House of Hell character family. Action Annual, what I wanted from his his grammar here is a bit off. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> He's missing a word or two. Basically, he said this is what he wanted from the his House of L character family. Uh, PKJ. Is that the, the acronym? PK Johnson, yeah. Well, I know who it is, but I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. like, is that what you call him now? PKJ, just for short. Uh, sure. Does some great work building out the characters throughout the exposition and while also making it feel like nothing is set in stone. The art is fine. But really comes around with Godlisky shows up. I don't know if I. I think I'm the other way around. Actually, I think I prefer the other art to be honest. But I really like both. So I think the um, the the Phantom Zone stuff is inherently slightly less enjoyable to me because they're all, you know, they're all in that bluey tint. Yeah, that makes them feel very separate from the background, which is intentional. So the art is not failing, just. It's not as pleasing on the eye as as uh as some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh. So and then he says, "I really love the dynamic between the family and how much Warworld mythos is coming out here." So, yeah. There you go. That is uh, yeah. the Action Comics Annual 2021. Wonder Woman seven seven five. Becky Clooney and Michael Conrad with Andy McDonald. This is all you. I don't read this one. I get to rest my voice for a little bit. Yeah, uh, the vast majority of this issue takes place in the Graveyard of the Gods, which is uh, 
kind of where we left them entering last time. Uh, this is Diana, Deadman, and uh, Ratatosk. There's a little bit of her trying to get attention of, you know, the the keeper and trying to, you know, figure out who, who do we talk to? What are we doing here? You know, what exactly is the, the deal? Um, the idea is this is where gods who have died come, obviously, this is, uh, but died in this sense is, it can mean killed by other gods, but also just the idea of they were forgotten by people. Uh, they weren't worshipped anymore. Um, uh, so they had no reason to exist. So this is where they end up and there's a there's a creepy guy chiseling like names into headstones who's got like his eyes sewn shut and it's a suitably creepy look basically uh, and and is telling them that hey you know you know you're you're expected here um you know diana with you know does that creepy pause it's like oh he knows who she is um but they're like yeah go go find the keeper um you're, you're expected go and have your chat uh and and she gets there she, she's you know it gets like a mausoleum uh right toss leads into it which has got it's got um hermes's staff on to kind of mark that uh but then he shows up the keeper of the gods he's in like um how to describe it's like a it's like a bird head think like a plague doctor mask almost uh, it's kind of what it looks like with a big hat and he's got a uh, staff with a lantern hanging on it. It's a cool design. Um, and basically, you know, Diana's like, right, you better sell the Olympians free. You know, I'm going to take you on. And he just laughs in the face. Goes, Look, I, you know, I am here in a graveyard of gods. I think I can take you. And she's like, well, what about Battle of the Wits? So it's a riddle game. So they challenge each other to some riddles and as you'd expect, she wins. Um, some cool moments where you know, he's again showing off his power. Where uh, you know, Ratatos starts to he's like, "Oh, I, I know the answer to this one." So you know, you know, they, they keep it grabs Ratatos and he's like choking him. He's going to kill him. Uh, Dead man starts talking. He's like, "No, no, no. you know, you, you got no voice here, Dead man." And like waves his hand, and Dead man's mouth disappears. It's like it's just it's just flesh over 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 the bottom half of his face. Um, it's a cool effect. I think there was something like that in Doctor Who at one point. Feels very Doctor Who-y. Can't remember when, but... Uh, no, it was cool. Uh, eventually, obviously, Diana wins the battle, but the, there's a price that has to be paid. Someone has to stay behind. Um, they don't have the coin to pay to, to pay the Keeper, which is, you know, the the, the rules of the Underworld, and if you don't have someone to pay, you you have to leave a life behind for the life you take out. And it's it's building up like it's going to be this big thing, like you know, oh, will it be Dead Man? Will it be Ratatosk? And Diana, without hesitating, sacrifices one of the one of the gods. She sacrifices Chaos, uh, one of the eldest of the the Greek gods, and is like, no, Chaos Chaos is a, is a bit of a problem anyway. Uh, you know, on Earth, you know, so just uh. They can stay here. Serious and it, it feels like there's going to be repercussions for that. Serious question. Yeah. Is Ratakos the younger brother of Ratakin from Basil the Great Mouse Detective? One, Ratatosk. Two, no, but it's not unfeasible they named 
a little rodent creature after a rodent god. <laughs> like, ge like genuinely not impossible that that is an inspiration for the name. Yeah. I, I just, it, it made me think of the best Disney animated film. I'm sorry, everyone. Please continue. I don't know if I'm willing to say best Disney animated film, but I will, I will give you most underrated. Okay. Okay. I can live with that. It's very good. Uh, but that, that's kind of like the end of the, the, the big plot of that stuff is, you know, all the gods come back. They're the back on Olympus. They're on a big pie to celebrate getting out of it. Um, but Diana's refusing to celebrate. She's like, no, there's work to be done. The other half of, of Janus is, is out there with the, the god slicer. I don't know. It had a stupid name that I don't remember. God scraper. God scraper. It's a sword that can kill gods. And, uh, Apparently, it was just stolen from Hephaestus's forge. Um, Hermes accuses him of just leaving it lying around. And he's like, no, no, it was locked up. And Zeus is like, was it, though? It's like, yeah, we'll deal with you later. Um, but basically, uh, Dionysus is like, well, look, I don't know where they are. Um, sorry, I think it's Hermes. It's Dionysus is there running the pie. Uh, Hermes is like, look, I don't know where they are, but there's a... There's a portal in the Satyr's Grove that, you know, Janus, I've seen them hanging around there before. I, I sometimes send messages through that portal. It's worth a look. Uh, so the issue ends with her going to this portal, and the, the Satyr is like, eh, no, you know, no, don't, don't throw me in the well, because she's you know, beating him up a little bit. It's like, uh, anyone who goes through there, no one ever returns. And, you know, it's this ominous thing, but of course she dives in. And it's, you know, the, the, the file page is, she, she's going underwater, she's like swimming down and down, and she pops out upside down. Like every, every, you know, the world's upside, it says, uh, welcome to Elfheim, so I'm assuming we're in another fantasy land. But it looks like a very uh, a tropical jungle, she's in like a, a pool at the bottom of a, you know, a small series of waterfalls. Uh, it's a gorgeous page. Like you know, and yeah, and it's all like I say, all upside down. Her outfit's changed again. Um, I'm really excited to see kind of what this place is, what the rules are for this one. Uh, Olympus was shorter lived than I expected. I would say overall. Um, but no, another solid issue. It it, it feels it's it's a like another piece of the whole. Like we're in that point in the story where okay, we kind of know we've got a few months till she's back in the real world, and there's just this kind of period now where we're kind of going through, not the motions, but just kind of like, okay, where, you know, what exactly are the rules here? Um, it feels like we're just going to explore a couple of things here or there as one larger story rather than uh, anything special until we return now. It's a little bit time-killy, I guess, but it's still enjoyable enough to read. Uh, like a solid, solid seven. Okay. I mean, I felt I felt the the first arc was time Kelly, which is why <laughs> which is why I abandoned it. But so I think for me, the first arc felt distinct enough that it didn't feel time Kelly. Like, mm. I felt like it had a name, it had a bit of a mystery. Whereas now it's okay, we're hunting down a god and just doing a bit of world hopping while we do kind of do a little bit of sightseeing. Uh, I I expect it will still be fun enough, but I am looking forward to. Uh, October now to kind of get back to real world, see what we do there. Um, you, you got any thoughts? Or you maybe pick it back up when it gets to that stuff and kind of 
try it back out in the real world. Uh, in theory, I might. Uh, that said, though, there's a lot of new books coming out in October, so I, I, mm. the, the concern, especially since... Uh, oh, no, it wasn't double shipping. It wasn't double shipping anymore, but... Uh, so, I mean, if it's out in a week where there's like 10 other books I'm reading, it might... Uh, especially not, as that issue is oversized. It may not happen. And it is oversized, yes. Yeah. Uh, as were most issues I read this week as well, uh, just to remind everyone... Alright, mm-hmm. that was Wonder Woman then. The Flash 2021 Annual, Issue 1. That's the, the format we're going for these annuals now. Uh, Jeremy Adams writing with Randall Persarin and Brandon Peterson on the art. So this was... There's a lot going into this because I've been enjoying this arc. You get Wally jumping around into different speedsters' bodies at various points in time. And it ended with a cliffhanger last issue of him arriving in his own body, Heroes in Crisis. And it was like, okay, this story was always building to dealing with this in some way. And I've enjoyed the voice for Wally enough, and I've been relatively enjoying the book that I'm like, okay, let's, let's get this done. Let's finish the story and, you know, deal with it. Uh, and boy, oh boy, does it deal with it. And about, so the opening page actually mimics the Heroes in Crisis format, but it's the name panel grid with him talking. He's not, he's not in the therapy session, though. He's, he's talking to uh, his family. Uh, but, so, he ends up in Heroes in Crisis, and he's looking up at all the people there who, who did die in his, like, energy blast explosion, and this book, neatly, as neatly as possible anyway, just retcons it. Ret- okay. Retcons the shit out of it. Not so much that it saves people who died, the people who died still died, but it retcons that it was ever Wally's fault. You see... The energy explosion that happened from him that killed all these people was this. It was this thing that's going through the speed force that erupts when he arrives in his own body. It was never something he did on his own. It was this. <laughs> uh, which turns out to be Savitar to blame. But <laughs> it was this. <laughs> so there's this moment where he looks up at them and he's like, it was never me. I, I never did this. Uh, so... We get to, it, like, is it the neatest thing ever? Is it the best storytelling ever? I don't care. We're done with it. Wally never killed these people. We can brush it aside. He doesn't have to feel that guilt anymore. It's done. And not only that, it does lead to some really nice moments here. Because basically they're all suspended in a time bubble because they're trying to contain the blast, right? So it's just, it's contained that heroes in crisis around just in the field where all these characters were, were fighting or uh, coming to get to Wally. And Roy's there, right? Roy's not in the bubble. Roy's outside the bubble. And so Wally gets to hug him and says, but you died. And he's literally talking about him right here. So we get this goodbye with Roy. And we also have Oliver, who's back with Barry, who are hearing this because they're talking to Wally. So we get this conflict where Oliver, several times in this issue, I don't care what we're doing, save my boy let my boy die like you know he, he gets really emotional uh if anything he probably uses the phrase my boy maybe a couple too many times but the first time he said it did make me sort of not smile but like I was like, oh that that was that was touching he you know like he's he's like what i say his son uh but what's good about this is that it gives roy some agency in his death because roy actually makes the choice because wally's not willing to do it wally wally basically he has to like vibrate his frequency run back out of the speed force and 
basically connect to the speed force the same way that Savitar has. Savitar's trying to like become naturally connected to it in a way that the flashes aren't. And then Wally by the end of the issue does the same thing to sort of regain control of it and fix it. But that means that time will speed back up, this bubble will go away, and the people who are dying in this blast are all going to die, including Roy. And Roy makes the choice, understanding the consequences of what's going on, and understanding that he is, you know, he is dying, helping saving the universe. He makes the choice, and he actually fires an arrow that sort of like kicks it into gear. So he actually has agency in his death. He doesn't just die willy nilly, like he did before. He even says, "Can Oliver hear you?" And he says goodbye. He says he was a good dad, and so on. And it makes it clear that hey, you know, people like us exist to ensure that there's still hope for tomorrow, which ultimately is kind of the, the, the sentiment that Wally has when he comes back, and he's like, no, I'm the Flash now. And he has his Flash outfit. He, you know, because Savitar follows him, and they, they fight a bit. Wally's kind of weak, but Barry gives him a ring, and it's got his Flash outfit. Not his one with the open top from Rebirth, it's his, you know, full-fledged Flash outfit, looks like Barry's, uh, with, some diff- with some minor differences. Uh, the key difference here I noticed was actually that it doesn't doesn't have all the extra little yellow lines on it from from New Fifty Two. Mm. It's just smooth red, which is good, by the way. I like it. I prefer. Yeah. It. Um. So, you know, uh, like honestly, yes, it's a bit retconny. It's a bit convoluted to make all this work. But as an issue to deal with heroes in crisis, sweep it under the rug, make Roy's death not feel as you know random and whatever give him a touching goodbye with ollie give him his touching goodbye with uh with wally get give uh that a bit more agency give wally a genuine reason not to have to feel guilty about this that it was never him and it almost feels like this idea for this entire plot the idea that wally goes into these speedsters bodies and those speedsters are never aware that he was there for a period of time was designed around the idea of of it working with retconning this because it, wor- it it fills in completely and works. The idea that these other characters didn't know about it till later, because they're in the future, obviously, and the idea that Wally himself never realized he was taken over, because even in the Heroes in Crisis, he kind of effectively blacked out, right? Like, that was part of the whole thing, is that he was unaware of exactly what happened, that he comes to terms that he seemed to cause this at a certain point. Um, it's all done. Happy retcon, everyone. We've gotten rid of it. We've dealt with it. And once again, it feels like the powers that be now at DC are are fixing, even though there was a lot of things we liked in Rebirth. Rebirth was a lot of right steps. The, the de- it definitely was. There's a reason why we started the podcast when Rebirth started. There's a lot of things to love about it. But there were still things here or there that mistakes were made. And even this... perfect. Yeah. And even this, which was so recent as far as mistakes go, is already like, okay, this first arc was about setting up the... Wally is the Flash in that outfit, and he no longer has to feel guilty about this. He has his wife, he has his kids, they're a family, and now we get to start a, a Wally West Flash run. Next issue. About time. It's really, it's hard to have a problem with this. Like, it is a bit comic booky, it is very retconny. But when you hate the thing it's retconning so much, it's <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it doesn't necessarily sound like a good issue. It doesn't necessarily yes. sound like it's it's a good story. It's more just you're so happy about what the outcome is. To an extent, that craft isn't as important. I would argue the Wally and Roy stuff 
and right. Roy and Roy saying goodbye to Oliver as well. Like that stuff, and then like them having to accept that they have to let this explosion happen to save basically the omniverse. Like the omniverse is going to die if we yeah, don't. And Roy's back now anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, and they don't know that yet, of course. But this is where I was saying where this ties really nicely into everything going on because giving Roy this big moment, like kind of like further contextualizes his comeback now uh in a lot of ways it's, it's weird where i feel like it would have been more interesting had he not been back already yeah I, and that's a th- you know i think that's just like well they're telling the rest of the stories and this had to be here you know yeah you know six seven issues and whatever it is and you know it's fine but it kind of feels like oh roy feels important again and giving him this moment here where his death actually isn't just off you know off panel doesn't just feel like a, a shock cheap thing it actually like re-solidifies this idea that they're treating Roy with some respect that he's been put in a prominent position in a big story and this is a nice little way to like make that death work um so this is you know fairly schlocky timey-wimey speed force bro comic book storytelling but it's, it's doing it for all the right reasons <laughs> Mm. So and I didn't have a bad time because there are there are genuine little character beats in here that are good. I enjoyed a lot of this arc, uh, here or there. It and it's kind of in the same place as Green Lantern is for me, where it's definitely some rough around the edgy stuff in terms of it's not the prestige book that uh, some other books are, but it's solidly just being a flash comic. And at least I hope it feels like that now. One now that we're past this arc, uh, find out soon. Right, I'll find out soon. The next issue won't be long. So, and there's some nice art in here, actually. Uh, I think, um, you know, uh, Pissarin and Peterson, I think Peterson in particular is the, the art that I'm really liking. Uh, there's a, there's a there's the shot, there's a full-page spread of when uh, Roy fires the arrow up to, like, pop the bubble, effectively, to, to get everything going. Uh, that's a really nice-looking panel, or the page, even. Uh, so, really nice. And also, there's a moment uh, where after they hug... Roy says to him, us gingers have to stick together. Uh, so I thought you'd appreciate it. No, I feel like pandering. <laughs> Don't appreciate it. It depends. Is the writer a ginger? Because otherwise, it, it, it's, it's really pandering if he's not. I don't know. It's Jer- Jeremy Adams. Maybe he's ginger, maybe he's not. I have no idea. Yeah, I've got no clue. I have no idea what he looks like. Uh, so it's fun stuff. Yeah, Superman and Batman are there at the end as well because they they call it when they realize that whatever Wally's fighting is going to come out the the Speed Force with them, they they call in uh, some Justice League members to help with the fight. Uh, yeah, and the fight's all right. I mean, it's basically building up to Wally putting on the suit, which he does, and it's neat. And yeah, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Uh, There's some speeding about. Uh, the city, yeah, I kind of glossed over the fight itself because ultimately it's not the the important part. But uh, it's Wally's making the choice. He's the Flash now, and there's a sweet moment at the end where, because because Oliver at the start of this run uh, was kind of addicted to Wally and kind of blamed him for Roy's death. Uh, that was set up at the start of the run. So there's a moment here at the end where Oliver just says, "Kid," and he there's a great panel of him just looking kind of sad, like he's you know he, he clearly regrets how he's treated them and. He hugs him, and there's not nothing else said between them. It's just like, you know, Wally lost one of his best friends. Oliver lost a son, and you know this was something Roy clearly made the choice as a hero to do. <laughs> you know, as opposed to what it seemed like before. Yeah, and 
it just ends with a full page spread of Wally running in his proper flash outfit. That smooth red. I love it. And he just says, my name is Wally West and I am the Flash. And it says, next heat wave. So we're getting a heat wave story next. But it just feels like a fun romp. Yeah, give Wally some Flash villains to fight. Yeah. Let's do it. Sure, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm into it. So... I jokingly want to give this a 10 <laughs> for retcon Hughes and Crisis, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I will say art is... Obviously there's two artists, so it's not equal throughout, so that's a little bit of a problem, but there are some really nice pages. Uh, I like what it retcons, I like some of the emotional beats between the characters. It's not the greatest thing ever, it is definitely a little messy in how it has to accomplish all these things. But I think all things considered, I'm willing to stretch this out to the 8. And just go that extra little bit and say, you know what? I had feelings while I read this. Happy feelings, both in an emotional and universe context, but also in a meta context of finally, we don't have to like deal with this anymore because it's done. You know, this is the thing. There, we expect I expected this arc by the end to deal with the idea of him constantly having to like be depressed about heroes in crisis, but they they made it impossible now because it wasn't his fault. It wasn't him. He never has to consider that again. He can reference it for other reasons, possibly, for, you know, but it doesn't matter now. It's not going to be something where he has to feel punished and broody because he killed people. So, I'll give it the eight. Flash Annual 2021. There you go. I was talking for a long time there. Batman, the detective, issue four. Is this it off, is indeed. Is this a five? Is this is only five ish? No, six. six. Still six, okay. Uh so this is Bruce has been arrested under the suspicion that he killed Henry Descartes. Uh if anything, my only complaint about this uh this little story beat is that it takes Bruce probably too long to realise that these aren't actually like agents from Interpol, uh, and that they're actually members of the, the villains and that he's been tricked. I thought Wait, how did they, like, bring you here? Like, what was the process? Because it feels all a bit shady. I No, I like it. I think the implication is he was brought here by Interpol, because um, they mentioned that there's, uh, this is like, you know, when, when, he, when he breaks out, so you're saying this there is are the, this actual is, officers there. So this is to show how, like, integrated and how much power they have and how they can... They've infiltrated yeah, okay. Interpol, okay. yeah. All right. I, I think that he is there. And I think the reason that he doesn't pick up on anything is because he's caught up in his own thing like the whole thing is him talking about how well the easiest way to find a lot of this information is for them to just give it me they've already done a lot of the you know the, the mm. legwork i can just kind of pretend to answer a few questions and get and get the right answers from them so he's so caught up in his investigation of getting the information that he's not focused on anything else it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of hubris i guess yeah, uh, so they show them crime scene photos of all these people that these uh, these villains have killed uh, all over the UK. Um, he recognises uh, probably my favourite page of this sort of section is that when they ask if he recognises them, there's a there's a page of him remembering, like yeah, he does. You know, he says to us that he remembers them. He remembers everyone he saved, but then he says no to them. I like that beat. Just before we do cause a slight international incident. Ireland is not in the UK, we, we know. One of these is in Dublin. I'll be honest, I didn't remember that one was in Dublin. I just remembered both uh, Scotland and England, but 
I think it's, it's I think it's Scotland Wales actually. Yeah, it's Wales. Do you know what I think? I guess I think it is. I remember it is Scotland, England, and Wales, not Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. Yeah, and it's it's specifically Dublin as well. So you can't even be like, oh, you know, Northern Ireland. It's like no, no, no. And and I know you know that, but yeah. just we do not want to cause an international incident. Look, Ireland always gets included with the UK. It's a package deal, even if there's no actual like you know governmental connection. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Uh yes, okay. Um Where was I? Yes, okay. So yeah, basically he starts to feel weak and stuff because there was something in the water they gave him. Uh they stab him in the shoulder because they they, they don't know he's Batman. They're killing him as someone Batman has saved. Well, they think he might be Batman. They're like, oh it's possible. They considered it. Yeah. And then they're like, nah, this was too easy. This can't possibly be Batman. Which is almost just rubbing and salt into the winds, you know? Salt into the winds. Uh, yeah. But if anything, if my biggest complaint with this issue, which I think is fairly fine, it's been kind of on par with what this book has been, which is Taylor's weakest work, which is still solid, but not up to his usual standard. Is that it did feel very because Batman, when he's like, oh, the poison's in me, I'll just have to like fight it and I can still break these chains and stuff. I was slow, like, slow my heart rate enough that the yeah, poison doesn't spread, but have enough adrenaline going that I can break these chains. That felt very because Batman to me. It does, yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll I'll say it for Matt since he's not here. Uh, and then the fact that he's able to like sneak out and stuff while he's like dying of poison, uh, is is kind of whatever. Cyanide poisoning, I believe he says, right? Yeah, yeah. He says that later. He says that when he goes to the uh, the pharmacy to. Grab some medication. Yeah, I didn't realize you could fight cyanide poisoning with stuff that you can buy in a pharmacy. To be honest, but <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take the writer's word for it. I, I actually believe it is possible. I'm sure it is. It probably like the is. amount of shit that you can get in a pharmacy. I I I just it never occurred to me that there was literally stuff you could just go to a pharmacy and get. I mean, I, presumably most people can't walk and need to go to a hospital and they'll deal with it. But <laughs> yeah, but the idea of those the in theory, yes. the correct combination of drugs being available in a pharmacy is plausible. When he passes out and, like, you know, maybe possibly dying, and he sees, like, you know, he says, I dream of old friends, I dream of people I love, I dream of the fall, and blah, blah, blah. And obviously, the, the you know, Alfred's there, the Wayne's are there, some Trinity members, and, you know, has his past loves. I thought, you know what? I hate, I hate that, it, you know, the rest of the Bat family is kind of excluded here. Where, where's, uh... Dick and Babs and so on and so on. Like that shit. He's thinking about Jason. That that shit. Jason got a got a spot here, right? I'm just you know. Anyway, Squire was there to help him when he got out, uh, and she's there when he wakes up. Um, and she informs him that yeah, a bunch of people got killed, and uh, Belgium. You know, they they basically they they shot a bunch of people at a dinner party, and then they also set fire to a building and sealed it. So he's like, okay, we need to go, we need to deal with this, um, and all the rest of it. He basically calls in, like, a secret code, uh, for someone who Alfred was keeping in touch with till like, he bring him a mobile bat cave, which is, like, imagine, like, a, one of those big, sort of, truck bus things that have got, like, like a, you know, I guess the realest example you could compare it to is, like, um, like, a TV truck that has all the TV, like, equipment in it, and that's where they do the control room stuff. They're in the truck. It, it's plausible enough that it's one of those. Yes. 
This lap with a bunch of armor plating on it. Yeah, the front of it looks like a goddamn train. <laughs> it looks like a big super train. It's got a big snowplow on the front for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Depending on where he is in Europe, is he expecting a lot of snow? I don't know. Um, He's in France, isn't he? Does France get a lot of snow? Yeah, reasonable amount. Normal amount, I think. Is it? Uh, I mean, uh, not not the south of France. South of France is pretty nice and toasty, I believe. But I think I think of France as a sunnier place. But yeah, I, I guess that's maybe more the, the more. I think it gets sunnier, but I think it has its fair share of snow as well in the winter. I, I guess that's more the touristy areas I'm thinking of, though. Yeah. Um. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I did. I did like the fact that Alfred left a little toy T Rex and a, a coin. And, yes. and this mobile back little here. pieces of home yeah and batman's a little smirk so batman calls oracle squire freaks out when the big hologram head i do like out. when he just starts telling us like take us out to the highway it's always that i don't think the dinosaur can drive <laughs> yeah yeah those fun little beats are all fine uh and then he's like oracle put in the call i want all of the uh the european alliance of the bat if, it's i guess a mouthful. yes it's a big mouthful so they're calling in all these European bat friendlies, which I'm sure a lot of them are characters that did exist before that were that people who remember them will know. But I feel I'm like sure half of them will have been in like Morrison's, stuff, yeah, right. But I, I don't expect to remember. Them. Yeah, this is the notable thing about this book is this is the only book I read this week that was only twenty pages, so it was a quick read compared to everything else. Uh, but I thought there was two books that you read that were twenty pages. Well, no, because I ever read uh, Urban Legends. I don't know Urban Legends. Sorry, yeah, Future State Gotham. That would have been the second one. Oh, okay, fair enough. But because I didn't read that, it was just the one. Yeah, fair point. Uh, so that's yeah, okay. I don't have a whole lot to <laughs> say beyond it's what we have already. Long, like uh, it's a solid fun romp at this point. I don't think it's changing anyone's mind if you like no. it or dislike it. Yeah. No. Um, it's such an easy breezy read that it's kind of comfortable and safe, but. You know, if it wasn't Taylor's like chemistry and the characters, it would it probably would be like maybe in danger of being dropped just because, you know, weeks are getting busier. But it's the sort of thing that I'm kind of sticking with at this point because there's only two issues left. Mm -hmm. If this let me put it this way, if this was still running into October, I probably wouldn't be reading it in October. Mm. So, uh, what are you giving it? Batman the Detective issue four. It's like a seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven. I'll agree with that. Batman Urban Legends issue five. The anthology book, which has four stories in it, which after how long this podcast has already been, is making me upset. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting tired, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm, I'm very hungry at this point, so uh, if, if we breeze through these a little bit quicker than normal, because uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not rushing through Rorschach. Rorschach's too good for that. Oh, god damn it, I've got to listen to you chat <laughs> on about that. Um, so, yeah, Red Hood story. Uh, Mr. Giggles, if I remember his name right. Uh, obviously, they capture Batman. Mr. Freeze showed up at the end. Mr. Freeze is working for him, not because of his free will, though, but because he's been basically dozed with the... Uh, the... It's Mr. Cheer, isn't it? Because it's Mr. Cheer Drop. Cheer Drop, there you go. Yes, but, uh, but he's basically, he's been given the Cheer Drop. Uh, so Freeze is actually kind of crazy. Uh, there's some good art here at the start. Uh, there's some more flashbacks. Basically, the first time Jason ever had to sort of do something on his own, he had to save Batman from Riddler. He had to solve a riddle. Uh, has a different art, of course, which is fine. Flashback, it makes sense. 
So Jason has to do a little bit of investigating and tracks the, the most likely suspect who could be this cheer character. Um through his wife, who actually helped develop the uh, scarecrow gas and uh, did come up before. Uh, I actually really like the freeze scenes where he's talking to Batman and he's acting kind of crazy because he's talking to Nora. It was like, oh, this is kind of very unhinged. Yeah, it's funny because it's a very different type of freeze, but it's not because he's acting out a character. I mean, he is, but it's because he's under the influence of something. So it was was, was a fun vibe. Um, Out of character, but in context. Yes, yes. Uh, So, you know, Cheer kind of comes in and says, oh, Batman, stop trying to, like, you know, trick him how dare you kind of thing but he does it with a smell on his face and he's he's very very sinister he's got that clown quality to him in a lot of ways uh yeah it reminds me a little bit of um mime from oh, a little Park. bit I could, I could see that uh oh the big smiley face that's dripping on his uh jacket uh looks actually more like a pumpkin than anything else but <laughs> You know, that's whatever. God damn it, you've just ruined it for me. <laughs> I hadn't seen that, and now I can't unsee it. If you just colour correct that to be orange. It looks like a pumpkin. It really, it really does. <laughs> Do it looks like, you know, as well, like it's, it's like, uh, as well as just a pumpkin. Uh, especially, it's in the, the page after, the one after he says, oh, Batman's just trying to trick you. Yes. There's a there's a side view of him looking up at Batman. Batman's all in silhouette. Mm-hmm. He looks like the main kind of ghost one from Nightmare Before Christmas. The, the you know the 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 way the yellow there is dripping from that oh, side right. view. It looks exactly. I don't know the names of them from Nightmare Before Christmas, but the main one. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, so yeah. So Jason breaks in to the company where. Both the Tim and his wife worked. He's been kind of not showing up recently, and it's kind of you know you can kind of see it's because he's been out doing his cheer thing, and he became kind of obsessed because his wife was good at her job and he couldn't crack the the thing he was working on. Uh, so Jason goes kind of you know gently interrogates uh you know someone who works here, maybe the boss. Uh, and he looks up the kind of the, the numbers of like who's been like shipping these like ingredients and the chemicals that are used to make this stuff, and he kind of tracks down to where this cheer guy is. Um, but the cliffhanger of the issue, because J- Jason, so he will be coming next issue. But the cliffhanger is that Cheer puts on a a gas mask on Batman and pumps him full of cheer drop. So we'll we're going to get cheer drop Batman probably versus Jason next issue. Uh, I would imagine. Well, given that I think next issue is the end of this story. Yes. I, I would hope so. Yes. Uh, so that's a nice big thing for Jason to have to fight. So, you know, uh, solid. Uh, I liked all the Mr. Freeze stuff. I think Cheer drop, or Cheer, uh, despite the pumpkin <laughs> thing. I actually think he's got a good vibe as a villain, and the way that he was talking to Freeze, I think, was kind of menacing, and, you know. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm having fun with this story still. Um, I think maybe I have the emotional touch that the stuff with Jason and the kid had back in the first two issues, but I, I'd still happily give us like a 7.5. I think I'm going to be a 7, but I think part of that is the first couple of issues of this kind of set the bar. Yeah. And now this is like, you know, it's still good, but it's it's not... If this had, like, if it had started like this, I wouldn't have been as invested. Sure. 
Um, and then we have a Batgirl story uh, where Steph and Cass have broken into Wayne Manor, which technically Bruce doesn't own right now. And they're playing video games. I think, you know, this is a, a Margaret Bennett story with Sweeney Boo uh, on art. And I I think the, the only the critique I have right away is that it felt like Cass's voice was a little too quippy to me. Yeah, she felt off to me in a couple of places. And not just quippy either. There was a few things that just felt a bit wrong. Like, I think Steph seems mostly fine. Uh, you know, the bubbliness kind of works with her character. It's just kind of who she is. It felt like Cass... And I'm not saying that you have to keep her, you know, not being able to talk properly forever. But, like, I think there's a way she speaks when it's done well. Where it sounds like someone who's more matter-of-fact. I think the one that annoyed me as well was, like, the misunderstanding. Hmm. Like there's a, I think there's a bit where Steph's saying, "Oh yeah, we're just house sitting until uh, you know until Bruce gets the mansion back," and it explicitly uses the word house sitting, mm-hmm. and then uh, Cass says, "You know, house squatting good for glutes." I'm like, yeah, that feels like a a strange just twisting of it, and that yeah. I, I don't think Cass is really at that. Yeah, and I'm not like super into the art that much either. I think there's times when it works. I think it works mostly on Steph, bizarrely. But I think, like the the panels showing like Batgirl when she was investigating this red card like menace, you know, back in the day. Uh, like I'm not super into the art style for the most part. I think it's a little bit better when they've got their masks on though. Like see when see when Cass has got her full mask on and Steph's got her face mask and her hood up. But I think then and it gets a bit darker. I was into it a little bit more art wise. Obviously, yeah. I love the idea of the Batgirls doing stuff. Um, so far, though, I've not been in love with the, the little mini-stories they've been given, but I think it's just down to writing. It's just down to the concepts that they're actually using. Yeah, maybe the Batman backup will be the one. Yeah. Uh, this one ends in a bit of a cliffhanger to imply that this this girl they do run into is more of like a sort of rebel with a good cause kind of character, and it kind of teases that there's something bigger to... You know, yeah, uh, she gets away, so there'll be more. Yeah. So it's, I think there's one more part of this still. Yeah, well, it says end at the end of it, but yeah, it does feel like it's got another part. Yeah, but I think in, in terms of like where it is, I think there's yeah. one more in the, the issues. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd probably give it like a five, just because I felt like, you know, cast was a bit off. Art wasn't yeah. necessarily working for me. It's just not my style. I'd probably agree with that. It's It's okay. Yeah, it exists. Uh, and probably just a notch above that, but not, not necessarily th- you know, thrilling me either. There's the, the Tim Drake story in here. Oh, I, uh, I quite like this. Like, I, I, mean, I don't dislike it. Like, you know, it's, it's basically Tim is infiltrating this pain cult. This cult that deals with pain. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it seems like his old friend might have got involved with this before. Uh, and these villains are targeting uh people involved uh more interesting stuff for me in this this story was the idea that you know they're still in continuity and detectives aren't meant to be working with the back characters but this this detective who's investigating the case intentionally leaves a bunch of stuff in his car for tim to find no one just just, uh happens to leave them where he might go looking yeah you know it's yeah, and there's a couple of okay pages. Are uh, there's a page where uh, Tim's just standing at the corner of a rooftop, and it's kind of a nice page mm. artistically. Nice use of shadows and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so basically, he was up in a. He was told to go way up on the rooftop, uh, and it turned out um, 
but it's not just one chaos monster. They're all different. They're all different members of this cult. Uh, so yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm enjoying this more than I expected to, based off this being the writer of the Future State Tim stuff, which I despised. Sure. Um, I'm quite into this, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, like for me, it's it's I'm, I don't know, it's like a it's like a solid seven. Yeah, but I'll, I'll probably like a sexy on this. Hmm. I would say. Uh, yeah, we did dart through those a little bit quick, but they're quite short, and also this is a long episode, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, final story is the last part of the Grifter story, which is Grifter being kicked out of the, the Wayne building, having to get his way back in. He makes a deal with the. Is it Leviathan, right? Uh, yeah. Who hired him originally to kill Lucius. He sort of. That's the thing, you don't really know what side he's playing at. There's a certain point in this issue where I'm like, I, I really don't know if he's still intending to, like, do shady shit for Leviathan, or if he's completely on Lucius' side. Obviously, it turns out there's more of a, a third option, where he's not a, being a villain, but he's also... He has doing played, his own shit. He's playing Leviathan, but he's, yeah, whatever. So, he has some battle with Batman when he's getting back inside the building. Um... He ends up going to save Lucius, there's some action sequences, runs into Nightwing as well as Batman, and, you know, the, the action's fine, the action's solid, the banner's there. Um, the person in the comms referring to Nightwing having a night ass, night, or night ass, a nice ass, night ass. <laughs> Nightwing has that night ass. Damn uh, right does. And, uh, but let's be honest here, this is all about him, like, he, he always wanted to steal all of the stuff from the back computer that's in this building. And when it turns out who he's doing this for, he calls in his cavalry and he's like, Wildcats, let's tell them or remind them who we are. And it's his entire Wildcats Wildcat team. Wildcats assemble, basically. Yeah. And I have to admit, I've been enjoying this story, but because I don't give a shit about Wildcats and I have no attachment to it and I've never really read Wildcats. I barely name half of these characters. I don't think I could name any of them. All the ones they specifically point out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like, a, okay, you're setting up for more Wildcat stuff. I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate that for people who care about Wildcats, this probably means something. For me, because Grifter was a thing where I didn't care about Grifter, but they did enough in the, the writing of the stories, both in this and the Future State stuff, that I was like, okay, I'm starting to kind of like the, the, the shittiness of this character and his kind of like stumbling through life kind of attitude. It, it made me kind of enjoy the story of that character. But because it like treats all these characters as you know, ba bow, all these characters are back. I'm like, well, I don't care about Eddie's though. So um. yeah, it kind of left me feeling really cold. The end of this this five part story has no conclusion of its own except to be like, hey, Wildcats, and it says they'll return. You know, that's the, the text at the end. As someone who does not give a shit about Wildcats, it's that's that's not a satisfying ending to this story for me. No. It's it's a weird thing because if you're reading this Grifter story because you do like Wildcats, this was probably like you know, this probably popped you, probably popped you at the end. You're like, oh, and you're like excited for what's to come. As someone who only get into this because I like the writer and they made Grifter a likable kind of you know, flum flumbling hero. It, it like yeah, it was a bit a bit of a cold ending in that sense. Like, am I even going to read, even if it's Williams, or, yeah, Rosenberg, sorry, who's, who's doing the the Wildcats story, whatever it pops up, am I going to give a shit and try it? I don't know. I know there's more books, I don't know if I'd be willing to give it a serious chance. Yeah, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, 
Maybe. <laughs> now, when it'll be after half of those books have all launched. Well, I mean, it'll be after all of those books in October. If I'm keeping even half of those books, the odds of me caring enough to read a Wildcats book are pretty slim. It's still a well-done, you know, issue of the story in the sense that, you know, the action's really solid, the banter's still there, there's still moments to make you laugh. I really like the bit where he's got the uh, the device for the door with Batman. Mm. Like, that whole section was was funny and, and, yeah, really well played. Yeah, so, you know. Uh, but also, it has no ending for someone who doesn't care about Wildcats. Yeah, what you, uh, written that? Uh, I feel like I have to give it a six, which feels harsh, but it's the conclusion to a five-part story that I didn't care about at the end. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's a tough way to rate because I did feel kind of cold on the ending. And it's not, it's, the, it's, it's not it's a bad ending per se, it's just that I just don't care about what they did, what it built I think to. it's a bad ending for this story. Like, for this grifter story. They were teasing who he was talking to the whole time, so it does, it is kind of a payoff to that in a way, but I think you can pay off that and still have an ending that's satisfying mm. for this story, though. Yeah, because we don't really know why they want this. We don't, you know, like, th this issue is especially really played with the what side is he really on? Is, is he really secretly still going to, like, you know, crawl back to Leviathan? But then, I didn't really expect that, but they really kind of played it, like, where he was flipping back I did, and yeah. forth. So, to not have a, I mean, I guess it's definitive in that he's, okay, he's working with Wildcats, but it'd have been nice to know exactly why they... I don't know, like, why he got so close to Lucius. Because he's been so tied to Lucius between yeah. the future state and then this, this story. It, it, it felt weird not to have more of a concrete kind of, like, feeling of that by the end, but... Oh well. Oh well. Uh, so I'll give it... I'll say 6.5. It's because it's still a well-constructed issue. It's still got fun action. It's still... All the elements that I liked before are still there. It's just... You know. Oh, we should also mention he didn't kill Nora Freeze or whoever else he said he killed. The bodies were fakes. They were like super clones. Yes. This was just to make people think he'd done it so that they would uh, respect him as a villain or something. <laughs> yeah. And and when Batman's like, I don't know how you did it, it, it it's just like, ah, it doesn't matter. Don't think about it. Yes. So, there you go. Rorschach, issue 10. It's a shame Matt's not here. He did send me a quick thought on, on, the, on the issue, which I'll get to. But, uh, so, last issue. So this is Tom King, of course. That's where A4 is. Last issue did have the uh, the thing where, okay, the body that was buried at the house that he was looking at uh, had a beeper, and the number that it went back to was part of the Redford campaign. And that was, oh shit, is Redford involved? And he isn't really. This issue kind of like makes it clear, even though it's still a smoking gun to the political party that's opposing, Turley's people are still going to use this and still going to, like, you know, paint redford the president is a, is a villain behind all this even though he doesn't seem like he actually had any personal uh, touch on it uh it, it's, it's, a, it's a very there's a lot to explain here so i'm going to do the whole thing but it was basically frank miller in story uh gave and my cat's getting comfortable on my lap so i guess i'm just dealing with that now um basically the old man under the guise that he was writing a story about his pirate character, Pontius Pirate, coming to a, a present-day scenario and didn't like all of the way things had changed and there was all these rules and laws, he would try to assassinate a presidential candidate. And so under the guise that it was research for a story, he wanted to talk to people who could 
give them insight and experience into uh, uh, the sort of situation that would like arise like what, what, what's all the things that he would have to do to be able to pull it off what would be the best place to, to target such a person so on so on and he got a bunch of names uh that was recommended to him and he goes around checking these people and they all kind of like pop up one way or another except one the last person jonathan oates isn't at his place of residence and it's very clear that he's the body that was found with the pager and it turns out that he did some private security work for president redford and his last two like campaigns but he wasn't actually secret service and there's a reason in here about uh like he, di- he didn't want to use taxpayer money so he actually just paid to himself for private security instead of using extra secret service or something like that uh it was whatever but this issue is told in the context of our investigator telling his liaison at the Turley campaign, whoever this, the campaign manager, whoever this guy is. I've forgotten his exact role. But they're sitting having drinks, and he's explaining everything he's found, and that's the, the, the framing device of the issue. And he talks about finding, you know, a gun, money, uh, there's no, notably a bottle of beer in this safe that he finds in this guy's house. Uh, which stuck out, because he didn't mention it. And it's like, why? Why did the guy keep this on him? Like, what? What? What did he keep on? You know, why is it there? And he picks it up with a cloth, and it comes back at the ending, right? Because it's this kind of a slick little thing that's that goes on here. Uh, but it mentions here that uh, this guy Oates, he was on the squad that helped capture Bin Laden because different universe, <laughs> you know. Keep that in mind. And. You know, he got into security, he did all these things. But then there's this other element, which is that he had a secretary who worked for him who committed suicide recently. And it's like, why did she commit suicide? And he keeps telling this story. A lot of, I'm, I'm skimming some of these details a little bit because this is really well written and just how complicated the details are, but it all flows really well when you're reading it. Like, it all keeps just sort of unraveling as you're going and kind of keeps keeps going. And the idea was is that she was aware of these conversations that Oates was having with Meyerson and giving him all these hints and tips. And she was like, this is fishy, this is not right. Um, this, this guy, Oates, was a fan of the, the comic book of the, the pirate character, which is why he was so willing to help this guy. And, you know, basically went through, oh, you need these badges, and if you act confident enough, they won't even search you because they're too busy dealing with all the crowds, and so on and so on, and you'd be best going up to this catwalk. And part of what made him feel like it was good fiction was because this catwalk at the centre that is going to be the, the place of the, the assassination. Like, it was it was actually built for snipers for, you know, protection, but it was so high up and the angle was so bad that snipers never used it. They, they found other places in the building to use. So it's this perfect thing. But the idea being that this is why it's fiction, because no one could ever make this shot. It's unrealistic that anyone can make this shot. But the whole story's been building the idea that the kid is this shot, that she can make this shot, because she's that good. But anyway, so she, she's uncomfortable. She thinks this is actually something serious, that he's helping someone who's actually trying to do something. And uh, when Meyerson asks for VIP passes so they so he can like, go in and, you know, do some research, you know, quote-unquote, he, he drives them out himself to that farmhouse, and this is where the interaction happens where he dies, which is actually still a mystery. That's something that the, the investigator at the end says. He still doesn't know why they killed him uh, and it's a really good moment actually because you, you sort of like see some of it play out where 
Myers and then the kid hug, and it's this really good moment of embrace because you know the kid does get shot in the arm by this guy, and we can speculate that maybe he sort of like realized when he was there that they were going to actually try something and there was a bit of a confrontation, which makes it very clear, by the way, that this uh, did not come from Redford himself. The reason why the Redford is even involved is because this guy, who's not directly associated with them, but has worked with them, called in a favor to Redford's like campaign office to get uh, badges. Because even though he's the opposition, uh, you know, this Redford's the president, so if his office asks for some passes for, for a rally for the competition, if they ask you know, the Turley's you know, people for that, they'll hand them over, because the, it's the president effectively asking for some badges to, to, to have some people at the, the thing. You know, why wouldn't they hand them over? If I, I actually really like the guy's reaction, because this guy who's like the, the campaign manager or whatever kind of like goes, oh shit, like, I would have approved that. <laughs> like that that been literally went through my office when they asked. Why wouldn't we say yes? Um so that's kind of how it goes through the Redford office. That's where there's a connection to that's why he's got this number on his beeper and so on and so on. But the secretary at the thing called in uh uh the scare and said to he accepted this call where someone said someone's gonna try and kill Turley, and he kinda laughed it off. And he's like, oh my god, like, I, I sort of, like, shrugged this off. And she, because she was the only surviving person out of the whole thing, she felt she would be blamed and she didn't, you know, uh, implicated herself and that's why she killed herself. So all, all this is great. And also that full-page panel where they hug and the and the flashback to when they kill this guy, the blood on the floor makes kind of a Rorschach-looking symbol. Uh, neat little touch. All really good. Art's fantastic throughout, as it has been. There's so much to explain here. The ending of this issue, though, and, you know, I did notice that, you know, they're sitting having this drink. The bottles of beer they have are very similar to the one that was in the safe. And it was never mentioned. that The investigator never mentioned that he mentioned that there was money in the safe. He mentioned there was a gun in the safe. He never mentioned the bottle of beer. And this guy says, you know what, you've, you've done above and beyond. You should see Turley personally and explain all this to him. Uh, you've connected this to Red for this is like such a smoking gun. Here, you know, I'll pay for the drinks, and he's like, hey, I'll call you soon, thank you. And the final page is a silent page, nine-panel grid, as, you know, King loves. The investigator pulls out a napkin, he picks up the other guy's bottle, he looks at it, and the final panel is just a, a, a panel emphasizing this guy's fingerprint on the bottle. And it just reveals that he is looking for something, that he suspects that this guy is involved, that this is something that's actually going through their own their own office, and that he he's looking for this evidence here. He's still investigating as much as this was framed as him reporting back to the guy who hired him. Um, at least that's what I can take from this ending. It may obviously swerve a bit more than that. It may be a bit more intricate than that. A bit more complicated, but. This because it was so heavy on the explanations, there was so much dialogue, there was so much explaining all these details of this convoluted case that built up to the ending. The, this final page being completely silent and being this reveal that he's still looking and he's still suspecting something else, and there's more elements to this. Uh just was the perfect kind of like oh shit moment at the end. Get into these final two issues. Uh really well done. Um, given how many details there are to all of this, 
case and this this guy's involved this oats involvement and how he got these passes how he gave him all these these advice and experience it flows so well all all these things considered um the art's phenomenal as it has been the way it uses color is so good um like the bathroom where the girl commits suicide the secretary uh you know feels different from everything else um there's a, a sequence of panels where when he's explaining what you would do to kill uh you know fictionally a, you know someone in this place there's a great panel where it's just black and white with the red splatter you know the guy's in silhouette as he gets hit and there's a it's just the, the glasses go flying and there's red splatter really good stuff um it has this feeling to it the entire time and when you go back and look through the panels before you can see it really emphasizing uh the campaign manager pouring his drink having his hand on the glass it focuses on these details and it does this you know not right after he's found the ball it's a few pages later there's other stuff in between uh, more stuff that he's telling the story of um really solid storytelling it's planting these seeds throughout that makes that ending just feel so much kind of worth it um and that's the thing, you know, that this guy Oates kept so many records, it mentions this, that he kept so many records physically that it's weird there's nothing about this attempted thing with Turley. There's no plans to help people kill someone because it, was, it wasn't a job. It was just him helping Myerson as a, as a researcher, effectively. Um, but why did they kill him? You know, excellent questions. Uh, this, this was a riveting issue to read because it just kept adding more of these details. It felt like it was all kind of coming together. And then ultimately you have this ending that just quietly makes your... It's almost like it over-explains everything exposition-wise throughout the issue. And it is interesting, everything it's saying. Just so that it can silently make one final point at the end that just feels like... No, he was playing us like he was playing this character. He He was just... This was all about just getting him to sit there and trust them and leave some evidence. And really, really good stuff. Uh, so, um, loving this book still. It's going to its end game. Uh, I'll read what Matt said about it uh, before I give my my rating here. Where, where are we? Rorschach is starting to come together. This is Matt, for the record. Uh, art was pretty damn great. With all the small particulars of the storytelling, uh, yep, that's pretty much what I was getting out there. It feels like something is off, and I'm not sure what to make of the end. I still feel like Turley's people are involved, and it's not as clear cut as it seems. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's stuff going on here. Um, you know, th this issue did, did sort of drift away from this idea that, of the teasing that this main character might become a new Rorschach of some kind. Uh, to an extent, but I don't know if it's just because it's I'm barking down the wrong tree, or if it's because it's just you know it's not the focus of this issue. This is about something else. Uh, so um, ah, this is a nine. This is just a straight up nine. It's a goddamn great issue, and uh, just feel like this is going to be an epic twelve issue read when you have that hardcover and you can just read all twelve issues of it in one big run. There's so many details throughout, though. It may actually be quite daunting. Like, I feel like talking about these issues that have come out have really benefited this. And the same way that talking about a good TV show really benefits all the, the build of all the details. Because it is so detail-rich. King put a lot of thought into this. And the arts uh, got the thought as well, because it's just the way it focuses on things, the way it's pacing things out. Anyway, 
10 out of 10. There you go. So that's the last of the, the, the new issues this week. Uh, Connor is going to do a Patreon book first. Every month on patreon.com slash TV, we can support us, of course, uh, for as little as one dollar per month. But one of the higher tiers, you can make myself and Connor read a book. So uh, we've got one each here. Uh, Connor is going to talk about Noctera issue four. I want to say I'm really glad I decided not to do two. <laughs> which it was something I considered, but then I... Uh, I actually fell asleep for an hour before we started recording, which was the reason why I didn't. Um, I'm, I'm glad now. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Scott Snyder writing uh, Tony Daniel on art, which is how it's been every issue, but just in case you forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another great issue. Just throw that at the start. Uh, it starts off with the same format as most of the issues have, with a little bit of a flashback to when they were kids, continuing on the story of kind of what happened when the world went dark, kind of, you know, in those early days. Uh, last issue was about them locking their parents in the, in the bedroom. Uh, this issue is them kind of waiting around. The news is kind of saying, oh, you know, if you can't make it to one of these shelters, because they've realized that you need to stay in light. So if you can't make it to one of these shelters, uh, the military are coming around street by street, you know, everyone will be fine. And then like, Two days later, they realize no one's coming. You know, they they, they kind of have to go. So they uh, they grab their dad's gun from from the cabinet, and uh, and off they head out. And that's actually kind of all we get really of the uh, the opening stuff, the, the flashback stuff. Some of the issues have had it kind of wrap around. This one has a a bigger cliffhanger that it wanted to focus on, so no wrap around this time. Uh, but we do cut ahead to the present day. Um, the the brother, whose name I'm completely forgetting, the brother. Um, he's kind of turning, as we saw last issue. He's kind of at the point where the news reporters deemed them were too far gone, was what we learned last issue. But uh, of course, uh, you know, Val's not giving up hope. Um, she's looking for this solar lamp that. Uh, they're claiming is in this little town called Tipton, which is another like sanctuary town. Uh, I'm really enjoying how all the all the towns have like a theme. Like there was the one a couple of issues ago that was, it was a you know a light bulb factory, so that that's why it survived. So it has you know it had all these light bulbs like all over the town because that was kind of their thing. Uh, this one is a luggage factory, uh, not a luggage factory, a luggage town. Um. Basically, when airlines had like unclaimed luggage, this is where they sent them to get sorted, and it kind of became like the town identity. So there's a big, massive suitcase on top of a hotel, sort of thing. Uh, so there's just lots of lots of stuff for scavengers, basically, in this place because there's all you know all the weird stuff was sent here. Uh, but they realise that this place has been recently hit by human shades, so it's kind of a ghost town. Uh, everything's dangerous. There's a couple of like half human things, they call them smudges. Um, so there's a couple of them still around that they have to have to fight, but for the most part, they're looking for this solar lamp, and unbelievably enough, they do find one. Uh, and it's seemingly working. They're, they're using it on uh, M. That's the brother. They're using it on him, and it's 
not entirely curing him, but it's reversing the effects enough that he can talk to them normally, which he couldn't before. Before he was basically just a zombie kind of attacking them. But this is significantly slowing it down. Uh, but now we're, we're finally back to, right, get in the truck, drive to where they were going, you know, whether we're going to meet the, the old guy's brother, I think. Uh, the, the mystical place where there is sunshine. And, uh, you know, good little bit of a chase, you know, um, Bill's still chasing them. He's got that old guy, you know, uh, strapped to the roof of his car, turning slowly into a shade, uh, just bit by bit. It's pretty horrific looking. Um, but as they're getting there, the battery in their truck dies. And they're like, oh, there's still a few hundred meters. We're going to have to get out and walk. And just, you know, they, so they leave the headlights on blasting and kind of walk forward to try and, you know, get to the coordinates. Uh, they do get attacked a bit. Good little fight sequences. You know, uh, again, Tony Daniel kills it on the art. Um, he's always good, but he excels at action. You know, you know a, a, a great sequence of like, all these creepy beasties kind of coming at them out of the, out of the grass and shooting at them. One of them gets like, the, the, the gunshot like takes it in half. Uh, it's it just looks fantastic, but uh, they finally get there. They reach the guy who who they're here to see, uh, Tiberius, and he says, "You're safe now." And he takes them inside, and then the big cliffhanger is, you know, she she goes, "Oh, you know, I saw something that I didn't believe, something I hadn't seen in thirteen years. I saw sunshine, and it is, you know, the the final panel is just this uh, this flower in sunlight." And it's, yeah, you know, this this uh, this book has done a big enough deal, you know, done done enough to build up why this is such a big deal to have sunlight, like genuine sunlight, seemingly. Uh, the whole time it's been displayed, well, there's not really sunlight there. It's it's something or other. But she was going to take the job anyway, and desperation of hope to to cure her brother. But there actually seems to be something here. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what goes wrong because this is only issue four so something has to go wrong uh but no really exciting stuff uh really really tightly paced issue again it kind of really neatly works through its sections there's not a lot of back and forth it is opening uh flashback first town truck ending uh so it progresses really linearly um which snyder comics don't always do uh but Daniel's killing on the art. It looks great. Um, characters are, you know, a lot of fun banter back and forth between them. Yeah, it's like a 8.5. Okay. There you go. Uh, which will take me on to the Patreon book I'm doing this week, which is the Joker issue for us. It's last month's issue. Uh, like I said earlier, those soon to be cut up. But uh, we left last time with uh, the villains... Oh, I mean, obviously Joker's a villain too, but you know, the Bane squad, or at least uh, Lady Bane, uh, and uh, these troops coming through the jungle, uh, coming to the forest to, to get to Joker and Gordon, who are reluctantly going to have to work together. Well, Joker's up for it, but Gordon's obviously <laughs> reluctant. Uh, and we also have the eventually the, the two people from the, the Texas family, from the Texas Chainsaw style family, drive a bus straight into the, the house. Uh, and all this is going on. Um, and a lot of this, you know, Gordon has a moment 
when all the fighting starts kicking off where he could just kill the Joker. Like, he's got him in his sights, he's got his gun in his hand, uh, but he knows it's not him. He knows that, you know, he keeps justifying things, he justifies, like, everything he's ever done, he's he always in his back of his head saying that, you know, I'm doing the right thing for the, for this reason and that. He brings up his marriage and says he was he's a pretty shitty husband because he, he, he kind of kept saying, well, I'm letting this suffer because I'm doing the right thing out there. I can make a difference. I, I'm, I'm trying to build a better world and and so on and so on. But he knows it's not him to kill because uh, he even says it. You know, if I uh, with with all these guns going off, with all these people shooting, all these villains that are all fighting in front of him, like no one would ever know it was him. Barbara would never know it was him that actually hit the shot that killed him. But he still can't do it. Uh, so yes, uh, soldier. Uh, grabs Gordon, but he dives out the way because this is when the bus comes in with the the two villains from the Texas Chainsaw family style. Uh, and they come in, but Joker's got some t- some fancy uh joke gas uh, all set up that he sets off, which also affects Gordon uh, and leads to uh Gordon going you know passed out uh, and stuff. So he's actually now held captive by Joker. We do cut to the clock tower, though, uh, where Baz has got Steph doing research, but they've not really found a whole whole lot. Uh, they're following uh, Cressida. Uh, she's basically been hiding at a hotel. She's been using the swimming pool. She's been getting a massage. Uh, Cass is following her still. And ultimately, it doesn't amount to much. And basically, Oracle concludes that she probably knows someone's watching her. She's assuming she's being watched, and she's doing everything she can to not actually give anything away. Uh, obviously, the last issue, anyway, with her being uh, basically cozying up to the Court of Owls and like reinstating her family's name into the Court of Owls. Uh, I don't know if you were here for when I talked about the last issue, but that that was. Uh... <laughs> I don't think I was, and I'll be honest, I don't think I'm all here right now. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, the cliffhanger of this scene, though, is when Steph leaves to go to bed, a Talon appears behind Babs. Uh, so that's a bit of a cliffhanger there. Uh, fun sequence. Um, obviously, with the, the art here not being amazing all the time, but I, I do want to point out, there's a couple of nice shots in here uh, of the of this stuff in the clock tower. Uh, that's alright. But, Gordon wakes up, he's tied to a chair, as is uh, the guy from the, the, the Texas Chainsaw family. And Joker's, you know, slashing at him, uh, ripping cords off of him, all sorts of things. And he's basically saying to Gordon that, you know, I'm going to mess you up. Like, more than I did back in that amusement park. You know, he references Killing Joke. Uh, and talks about how, basically, he wants to know, he wants to hire him, now that he's doing PI work, he wants to hire him to find out who did the AD attack and Gordon's like, it was you. He's like, nah, 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 nah. When have I ever done that and just let everyone die quietly? Nah, 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 nah. That's not me. Someone did this to attract all this attention. They put me in the crosshairs. I had plans. I had post-Joker War plans that I was that I had going. I was setting things up and it all got interrupted because of some dickwad doing this AD bollocks uh, and framing me for it. Um, So... Yeah, uh, that's kind of where we're going with this. Um, Gordon asks why I won't kill him. You know, why don't they just kill me? And Joker's like, no, this is because this is worse. Uh, this is, you know, me breaking you just like Batman. You know, the idea that Gordon in some ways is kind of into that territory that Batman is where 
Joker enjoys messing with them just too much. Um, and Lady Bane actually comes out and, like, uh, once Joker leaves, Lady Bane comes out and uh, breaks Gordon free. Uh, and basically, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it helps him, says you're Gordon from Gotham City, uh, you, you might as well you know, go home while you still can kind of thing. And that's the end of the the chapter. But she walks off, so it's kind of like there might be like an uneasy alliance that kind of forms with uh with that character. Um, it's this is probably the least interesting main story of the issues so far. Not because there's anything really wrong with it, but just because it didn't have quite the same hook that the other issues have had with the uh the reveal of Gordon knowing that he knows who Babs is, or the the court of elves tie last issue, or there wasn't some big shocking kind of tidbit in this one to kind of really give it that extra spark but uh it continues everything that's been been going on uh story wise the, the storyline's still solid uh i'm i'm digging again have, having the batgirls and you know babs kind of be this uh supporting cast in here and having the subplot is really kind of given a nice break from what's going on in the main story and you know gordon's inner monologue and inner struggle of what to do with joker uh, is obviously the fascinating anchor of the whole thing. So, uh, good stuff. Main story. I'll probably give it like a, just a seven in this case. Uh, ah, 6.5, because they are, you know, they are. But uh, th- then the backup uh, punchline got shanked uh, by Orca, seemingly, at the end of the last backup story. Harper was caught in a trap and she's attempt to be burned alive in this basement storage area of Snyder College. Yeah. Uh, Snyder's a bit too recent for this, I think, to be honest. I think you have to have someone who's not been around a while. <laughs> but, That's fair. But a bit more tenure. Uh, Harper's able to break free of her, her, her trailer and um, grab her grapple gun and get out of Dodge. Uh, not much to say there. Some of the art's kind of pretty, though, uh, for flying out. Uh, nice colour work. It's got a kind of scratchy style uh but the you know like like a lot of these books do i say that's a lot but you've got all the oranges and all the flames but when she gets out notably the background has got a sort of sheen of blue you know and you've got the green grass so it goes to these colder colors so there's a lot of contrast with the the previous scene uh back at the prison though uh basically it turns out that arca uh is kind of to you know, double crossing uh the, the queen of the royal flush gang here uh, and hits her and basically says ah you know like you, you basically are, you, by getting me to try and kill another prisoner or beat up another prisoner you're, you're you're effectively extending my sentence because i'm i'm now causing more trouble and says no no you you're sacrificing your freedom for your own stupid gain uh i'm not on your side and yeah, so, and then the two goons that she has as well also turn on her and pull out some blades because they're in like, the hospital room in the prison. And because Arca says, uh, you know, I'm not going to kill anyone. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to kill anymore to settle the grudge because Arca's kind of turned over a new leaf to a point. Uh, but they all two say, we don't have any problem with murder. And they go towards her with a scalpel and like a bone saw. And the last panel is just punchline smirking as blood splashes on- onto her face. Uh, Quite dark. 
honestly, I think that the backup's fine. I'm enjoying having more Harper and Punchline because they're interesting characters. I mean, the problem with it is that because it's so short, you know, this was like eight pages or whatever this week, or this issue, is that, you know, Harper's story in this was basically she's tied to a chair, there's fire around her, she's able to struggle free and fire a grapple gun and get out of a window, and that's it. Like, that's all she had story-wise this, 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 in this chapter. And as a backup, there's only so many pages to, to play with, but it does kind of make it hard to really feel that there's much progression uh, versus, like, a regular comic book or a regular full-size story. Uh, so I think that's hindering it a little bit. I think some backups are doing a better job of feeling like they're, they're using the story and telling enough of a story in that time. Uh, th- this kind of felt like, you know, th- this might have been better as, like, you know, bundling them together into full-sized issues and either having a mini or having it pop up as a, an Urban Legends story in there, perhaps, instead. I don't know. Um, but I still, I mean, I still, I, I still want to keep reading the backup because it's, it's perfectly readable and art tends to be quite nice and I enjoy the characters that it's dealing with. But, you know, I, I would say, like, because of this this limitation of how, how much time it has and how many pages it has each, each chapter, it kind of, it kind of, you know, it's it's peaking at you know at a seven at best. Uh, and here I'd probably say it's more of a six, not because I think it's bad, but just because it, it, it needs to be more going on, uh, chapter to chapter. I'd say, but perfectly fine. So that's Joker issue four, which will finally take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. Uh, you can go and collapse after this, Connor. You're almost done. Uh. What is your panel slash moment of Z Week? I have to be honest, Slim Pickens. Mm. Nothing really stood out for me. Like Durong, there's a lot of books I like. Um, but there's no panel or moment that really stood out to me uh, as I was reading them. I usually I, I have an idea, but I, I literally just had to go and look through like skim through all yeah. the books really quickly because I had no clue. I'm just going to go with Alan Scott uh, going, you know, uh, kick-ass and oh, Obsidian sure. being like, damn right. I can see that one. Uh, there, there's a few that I, I, I could maybe pick. Uh, <laughs> but I think I'll just go with a fairly easy choice and just go with that last page of Rorschach and just kind of the realisation that there's more going on and he's he's got another motive for this conversation. It's just a really nice, good, silent bit of storytelling that pays off, like, so many details that were sprinkled in the issue, so... Uh, I'll go with that. All right. Uh, cover of the week. Um, uh, I guess I'll jump in first for this one. Um, I'll shout out the variant, the Behermo variant for Detective is obviously mm-hmm. quite nice. Uh, I'll also say the main action cover is solid Bogdanovich stuff. Uh, I have to go though with the main Rorschach cover, which is the kid and Myerson Rorschach looking at each other, but the the negative space of their faces and like the top of their shirts kind of make the the guy who died. They make the yeah, and you got the fingerprint going yeah. around that as well. It's it's yeah. a nice cover. It's it's a really nice cover. I mean, the variant's really solid, but the, the variant's just it's just a, a an image of Rorschach. <laughs> you know, it's just it's pretty much straightforward yeah. stuff. But uh, I'll, I'll go with the main Rorschach cover. What you got? Yeah, I think for me there are four potential covers. You've mentioned a couple of them: the Behemo Tech. Uh, the main Rorschach one. Uh, I think the, the Rorschach variant as well, just because I'm a sucker for Jenny Prison's, you know, art. 
Uh, I do think the, the Wonder Woman variant, uh, which is a Becky Cloonan piece, I think is quite nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going with that. I think it's a bit different. Um, got a nice vibe to it. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, best art of the week, then. Um... I feel like it probably has to be Detective. Well, for you, I read Rorschach, so... <laughs> well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, so, I, you know. I, I completely understand that. So, uh, yeah, but, I'm, going I mean, with, I'm going with Rorschach. Born is for Rorschach. But, no, uh, Detective is really good art, though. I really like Pogdanovich's art in that. Again, it's another week where there's a lot of, like, perfectly good art. Like, action's good. I I think the the art in The uh, the Detective is, is perfectly good. Uh, Urban Legends... Mostly good, but inconsistent across all the stories. Mm-hmm. Infinite Frontier. Yeah, again, like individually all good, but inconsistent. Wonder Woman's just, yeah, fine. Texian one that really stands out, but it's not it's not on the same level as some other weeks, so I will say. When I, you know, when I'm picking best art, it, it wouldn't compete in like last like, you know, last week probably. Alright, top five, go. Uh oh god, what is it? Uh first is Probably action comics, Annual. That's uh, that's that one's safe. After that, detective. Then, God, uh, Infinite Frontier. No. Yeah, yeah. We go Infinite Frontier. We'll go Urban Legends, and we'll go Wonder Woman. I think. Okay. Uh, I have Rorschach at number one. Number two, I'll do Action Comics Annual. Number three, I'll go Detective Comics. Number four, uh, Infinite Frontier. And then number five, I will... Yeah, I I think I'll throw in uh, the Flash Annual at number five. Thank you, Retcons. Thank I, got, you. I got a lot of books hovering around the seven, which is by no means a bad week because, you know, sevens are pretty good. Ah, solid. solid. Yeah, seven's but good. There's no, there's not a lot of standouts for me this week. Mm. You know, and I think last week I only had like four books, but they were all like 8.5s and nines. Um, So it felt like a better week overall. But I mean, definitely not a bad week here. Yeah, well, in that case, I will tell everyone what's coming next week. Uh, the Flash, 772, which, you know, <laughs> spreading them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Flash 772, Nightwing 82, Justice League 65, Catwoman 33, Legends of the Dark Knight issue 3, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow issue 2, Superman and the Authority issue 1, Superman Red and Blue issue 5. Blue and Gold issue 1. Oh, gee. Well, Matt's glad he's here for that one next week, at least. Uh, Shazam issue 1 is out, that, but that's mostly a tie-in to the Teen Titans Academy stuff, just uh, if you're considering it. And then Truth and Justice issue 6 round it out. So it's definitely a little bit softer than this week, uh, numbers-wise, uh, which is nice. Uh, but super excited for Nightwing, Catwoman, and, and yeah, Supergirl, I'd say. So. I'm very excited for Blue and Gold, and also intrigued by Superman and the Authority because mm. even if I have no care whatsoever about the Authority uh, I'm 
intrigued by Morrison and Gannon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That is what's coming next week. Uh, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are our producers at the $20 or more tier. But you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, $5 tier gets you early access to the show by a day. So go and have a look at that. You get it on Saturday, whenever it's ready. It varies time-wise, depending on how long the show runs and uh, how long... It'll be a bit later this week than usual. Oh, no, it won't, because we're doing a day early. Yeah, it's Friday. It'll probably be fine tomorrow, because we're recording early. But yeah. <laughs> usually if we record on Saturday, which is the normal day, uh, yes, it varies in time. If it had been this length on a Saturday, you would be getting it late. Yes, it would be very late. Uh, but, yeah, go, go check out that. Uh, you can, of course, support us for completely free by hitting the like button, subscribe, Comment on YouTube, all those things do help a lot. As does for the audio version, uh, rating is on iTunes, five stars, for the review, all those things help. Get us on, on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast. You can share us out on there or wherever you want, social media wise. All those things do help a lot. Um, it's always very heartwarming when I see people asking for podcast recommendations for comic books and I'll see our show recommended. It's always nice. Sometimes, uh, you know, it'll be, it's obvious we're going to see because on Twitter and we're tagged, but sometimes I'll just see it on like Reddit and no one even knows that we're going to see that so it's always sweet to see uh so yeah uh help us out in any way you can if you enjoy the show um every and always are appreciated um that is pretty much the episode though it's been a meeting one episode 262 uh, so we'll see you again next time and uh, matt will be back connor may or may not be here depending on i i don't know yet because my work decided they don't understand whether or not i could go back to work or not Yes. As of yesterday, they didn't know. So, I have no shifts yet. Yes. Uh, so, depending on whether he's free when we're recording next week, uh, or maybe here, but Matt is definitely going to be back next week. So, look forward to that. Um, but otherwise, that is pretty much us. So, I you know, I usually throw in something wet or something at the end, but I am so hungry at this point. It's been such a long episode that I'm just going to say thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Keep reading DC Comics. And remember, I never get lost in the Speed Force.